Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 37 of the PA Turnpot. On today's rundown, uh, Rob and I will go over our eventful night at the Wells Fargo Center, where it started outside of the venue and led into the parking lot afterwards as the Sixers defeated the Lakers. And then we'll touch on the NBA All-Star starters for both the East and West. I believe Rob has a hot take for the West. You don't want to miss that. A certain warrior. Uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Rob has been itching to get his uh, thoughts on this one, so we'll see what he says about one Big Poppy and others who were left off. The Flyers' losing streak is tremendously, tremendously insane. And then a possible J- Claude Giroux trade. Next, we'll uh, touch on the NFL Conference Championship games, and we have a special TTP for that. Don't want to miss that. And we'll share our top five ESPN shows. But first, let's take a pause to listen to us talk about Anchor, our sponsor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the PA Turn Pod. This is episode number 37. Who thought we were going to last this long recording mm-hmm. these pods? Um, I am Rob, joined as always by Joel. Uh, I ask you, how, how are you tonight? Uh, pretty good. Uh, besides looking over my shoulder and looking at the Weather Channel app, to see when it will actually snow, because it was projected to snow at 3.30 this afternoon. At the time of recording, it is 7 o'clock, and it's still no snow in my area. So fingers crossed that it snows tremendously enough for me to call out. And as Rob shakes his head, no, how are you doing, sir? I, I'm hoping it doesn't snow, so I have less to shovel in the morning, because <laughs> I, I have work again in the morning. And even if we open late, doesn't benefit me. I prefer to just have the hours, but I would prefer the hours with regular work and not a completely dead store. So, and so this morning when I drove to work, I got up uh, about like seven thirty, seven forty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, before I moved, I was getting up at like seven, but now I'm a little bit closer to my my uh, my store. I got up. I left actually a little bit earlier than usual um, today, about eight. 815, 8.20, as opposed to like 8.30 when I sometimes will leave. Yeah. And almost as soon as I left the house, the uh, the rain, uh, the rain, the snow started to pick up a little bit. And as I was about halfway to work, it really started coming down. Gotcha. And it began to stick on the roads to the point where it, it obviously hadn't been plowed yet. So when I got onto uh, the main road near, like the main road that will take you to where I needed to go, um, it got to the point where it was a little slippery. And then I turned into the shopping center. It was fine, but like two hours later, like the snow was not even sticking anywhere. So all that did for me is it washed away some of the salt that was on my car, (laughs) which as you saw, I desperately needed. But uh, if we can, that's now two storms in a row where we got snow and then it was pretty much gone within an hour because the last time we got snow, it snowed. I went out and shoveled, put down some salt and then it all washed away with rain. This time around it just snowed and didn't stick. So Hopefully we get less snow as the night goes on. They told us initially it looked like it was supposed to start right around now. Mm. And then today I learned that it was supposed to start this morning. So, and now it's back to just going to snow now. So I don't even know what to expect. I hope I don't wake up in the middle of a wonderland and I got to get to work at nine. Is there any possibility that we both wake up tomorrow and there is no snow? Oh yeah. As given the way it's gone today, it's, it looked like it was supposed to snow all day, and then it stopped at like, like one o'clock. Did you get any at all? 
No. You got nothing? Nothing. It's at 3.30 to 4.30, like a little bit, and then two hours later at 6.30, it's supposed to. Nothing. And it's 7 o'clock tonight. Considering we really don't live that far from each other, like maybe, what, an hour and a half? Yeah. And I got snow and you didn't. It's uh, absurd. And maybe it's closer to two hours, given where I work, but we got snow, like, in the neighborhood, so weird. It's, it's terrible. I'm just hoping, like I said, I'm hoping for snow, but that's my... <laughs> My whole year is snow, the complete opposite. Snow has gotten less and less fun as we got older. Because as you become an adult, you realize you have to, the snow is not a toy. It's an obstacle. Um, it's fun when you have off. Like when I had off a few weeks ago and it snowed, took the dogs outside. That was actually, uh, we, we recorded and as soon as we got off, I went outside with the dogs. That was fun. This is not where you got to dig yourself out. Thank the Lord I have a driveway. I don't have to park on the street yeah. to where, you know, if the plow comes through, it almost like kind of like turns your car into like, it like encapsulates your car almost. And you have to dig out of that. Oh my God. And the worst part is, especially where like you live, where's uh, parking is like limited. Yeah. Say if you park there, it gets plowed and you manage to get out and someone, you know, that spot is clean. That some someone else is gonna take that immediately and not move. Oh, for sure. For yeah. Oh yeah. So That's where if you have a second person in the household, you just have to tell the person that's in the house with you to take the spot on the street. Yeah. Because you're guaranteed to have the uh, the driveway parking. Exactly. But, Teamwork. Yeah, I mean, granted, we can both fit in the driveway. So worst comes to worst, we can both fit in there. True. But ideally, you know, if you have street parking, like if you, you want to utilize it for a quick errand, and oh, say yeah. one of you have to go out early in the morning, it works out perfect. Yeah. Luckily there's not a ton of space in front of the house to where like it's not as long of a uh of a sidewalk um shovel that I used to have to do. Like in my parents' house, it was probably like twice the length. Jesus. The uh the driveway was also twice as long. But what I used to do is when I was at my parents, I would park closer to the end of the driveway as opposed to driving all the way in so that there would be less space that I had to shovel. I did that move. That was a smart move. I did it like the end of the driveway. All I do is just get the make my way out. But uh hopefully whatever comes out of this, it's enough that we can get to where we need to go. Yeah. Or for me, call out justifiably. But you can uh, you know, because we do live almost two hours apart. So did you knock out your uh your panic shopping? No. You got your two gallons of milk, bunch of eggs, bunch of chicken and rice, and you know bunch of frozen veggies and potatoes and i'm an adult i have doordash i'll have someone else do that for me we um to differing extents but we both knocked out some shopping today i did it after work she did it while i was at work um team oh here you go snow is expected in the next 24 hours open (laughs) the hourly forecast to see how it will impact your location i don't know what to say um but she got the bulk of it really just snacks so we, we were running low anyway we had a fruit shop anyway but and I guess today coincided at least. And then I went and got some chicken and some buttermilk. I'm gonna make some uh some like chicken. boneless chicken this week after work. So damn. It that's the extent of our nice. uh must be nice. That's the intro. That's the intro. And people are like, I don't care, it's like raining here or sunny yeah. or wherever they are. It's all melted by the time people listen. Oh, by the time or, they listen to this, this was two days ago. Or I'll be listening at work anyway, so I'll enjoy it. Uh, but you know who else enjoyed it? The PA Turnpod and your girlfriend. 
We were at the Sixers game yesterday. We watched one half of it. The other half, we listened to it in the car. It was an experience. It was definitely an experience. Like, the traffic getting there was ridiculous. So the genesis of this idea, uh, the yeah. two of us went, uh, the three of us went to uh, the Sixers-Clippers game uh, seven days ago tonight. We went to... We went to the game. We got there pretty quickly. We got there early enough to where we sat in the, uh, we sat in the parking lot for a little before the, uh, the doors even opened. We got inside, they gave out posters. They were Danny green. We were distraught, um, to cleanse ourselves of such experience. We were looking at tickets for this week and it turns out the Lakers tickets were starting to go down by the moment. So when, when I bought them either yesterday or the day before they had gone from like 120 bucks ticket to like, well, like we paid like 68, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We weren't exactly courtside, but we had perfect seats. I enjoyed it from the view we had. Yeah, could see everything, which is the uh, the um the benefit of sitting so high. So you can see everything in the building. Um. Now we got we left. So when we left for the last game, what did we leave at like six o'clock? We got there six thirty. Uh, we left roughly. Yeah. We left this one at six thirty, thinking we were going to get there at seven for a seven thirty tip. We got to the, was it exit 19 or whatever it was, or 15? 19. I 19. The Broad Street exit off 95. Um, we got to the standstill at 7.04. We did not enter the building until close to 8.30. With 35 seconds left in the first half. Yeah, we saw <laughs> we saw Davis. <laughs> saw Anthony Davis draw an N1 and then halftime show. And then the second half was fun, but... I guess you pay half the price for the tickets. You see half the game as well. That's, what a, it was. that's a fair deal. And we were expecting it because it was a Lakers game and it was in a marquee matchup that they'd be giving out a marquee player on the poster. Like, so an, well, MVP, who we, like an MVP candidate. Or at least a, a starter or God forbid somebody that was actually active for the game. Um, or not who did we receive? Yeah, who did we receive last night? Uh, one, Shake Milton. Eleven, Shake Milton's. Eleven. Um, so shake is cool he did not play though i was hoping for max here and bead you would think for like the marquee matchups like the bucks the the knicks or whatever the nets lakers they so you were actually were you looking at um at logger vision to see which games were going to be city nights oh yeah so i was like i, I saw that I was list. Gonna it's the lakers it's got to be a bead right and then so they gave out harris already they already gave out Corkmas. they gave out curry harris is available on ebay Corkmaz is also available somewhere. I think it was on eBay. Really? And then, and then our, our a friend of mine has the curry one. So I knew it wasn't going to be any of those three. We already got the um, the Danny Green. So they, they weren't going to do 25 because I don't even think he took media photos. So it's either going to be Drummond, Maxi, and Bead, um, Doc, whoever else. Dude, and it turns doc. out it was Shake. <laughs> If you get a dock, it, so what it does is it stands, it, it, it holds its form for three quarters of the game and then just falls apart toward the uh, the back half of the game. So, like hanging on by a, a single shred. Yeah. Um, but we have a uh, shake mountain fine. I like shake. Um, I think the um, this thought that the Lakers would have won last night if, if LeBron were playing is kind of asinine because if both teams are at full strength, not that one Seth Curry and one Shake Milton equals one LeBron James, but I think if either of those two are healthy, they, the Sixers actually have a guard capable of dribbling and shooting a little bit, then it's a, probably a bigger disparity than it was. So we invaded the Wells Fargo Center again. 
yeah. I don't know. I was going to say, like, he could have played, but uh, he had a little boo-boo on his knee. So Yeah, the Philly flu. And they, um, the last time he played in Philly, he tried to injure Embiid, so he wasn't going to face the fans, especially with a full crowd. In the end, with an MVP form, Embiid. So in the end, the the Sixers defeated the Lakers 105-87. They overcame a little bit of a slow start, but they actually, eh, they picked up a little bit toward the end of the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, LeBron was inactive. He was, uh, he's day-to-day, I would assume. He's probably going to be back within the next few days. He doesn't seem like he's playing tonight either. Nope. They play, who do they play, the Hornets tonight? Yeah, they play the Hornets tonight. Um, Davis is out now. Yeah, he's. It makes sense for him to sit back to back coming off an injury. He also played very well last night. Very well, I thought. He had uh, thirty-one and twelve. He was a minus seven, but he was really the only offensive option for the Lakers, for the most part. Uh, Westbrook did his party. Well, he tried to do his party at 24, 20 points, four rebounds, three assists. Um, Davis probably filled the stat sheet a little bit better than Embiid. However, Embiid felt like he had a little bit more impact on the game. Davis took um, Embiid to the weight room a few times. He also blocked him. Um, Embiid, however, returned the favor. It was nice to see Davis actually guarding Embiid for all the negative things we've said about him. Yeah, It was cool to see him actually taking Embiid one-on-one, which is something that he hasn't done a ton in his career. And in general, since he arrived in Los Angeles, he's been playing a lot more four than five. However, it just it opens up the offense and opens up the floor so much more if he's willing to play the five. So kudos to him for playing the five last night. Um, albeit in a losing effort, but I don't think it was his fault they lost. Nah. I think man. just being undermanned and, and you know just kind of out outplayed a little bit. Not that the Sixers are, you know, this otherworldly team, but they're kind of clicking right now. And the Lakers are still trying to figure it out, especially without any team without their best player is going to struggle. So a different game with LeBron in the lineup. However, the uh the Lakers they they were competitive for the most part and then it kind of just got away from in the second half in in not so typical doc fashion actually. Yeah. I mean at some point in the fourth quarter, we're like, oh, my goodness, here it comes. Oh, it, it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. They'll blow the lead. But, uh, yeah, Davis looked pretty good. It was like a nice competitive matchup between the two bigs yeah. going back and forth. Um, he's probably the best visiting player you've seen, right? Yeah. I would say he's up there. I, I have seen Kawhi Leonard in person. And I think Kyrie Irving in person. So Davis is in that same category, I would say. Oh. So he was, he was fun to watch him play. When he plays like that. Oh, yeah. When he plays like Anthony Davis. Yeah. And he, for all the, again, all the criticism we've given him, he's still an excellent player. And one of the most talented, you know, whether you want to count him as a big, I guess technically he's a big, but he's really just a guard and a big guy's body. Mm-hmm. He's a lot of fun to watch. And watching him and Embiid being so obviously the two best players on the floor, it's, it's, I love this. I love this new era of the NBA where you have talented wings who can get their own shot. You have point guards who are faster than ever, great at distributing the ball, getting rebounds at a, at a probably a historic rate. And then big guys that can also control the game it remains to be seen. If you can win a championship with a Jokic or an Embiid or a Towns or a Davis, well, I granted Davis won one a few years ago, but he wasn't necessarily the, the focal point that, but I love that you have this dynamic where some teams are built from the post out some teams are built from the perimeter. Some teams are built on defense and just grit and hustle. And then some teams are just like the Utah Jazz where you're like, you're like oh, they're, they're good again. <laughs> we don't know why. Yeah, I mean, when he, but also Davis had to come out and ball out because he knew like this team is clicking and beats in an MVP kind of a year and he's yeah. been balling out lately. And I think, was it a month ago or two? 
where uh, he felt he faced on Giannis and Giannis dropped 40 something on him and limited Davis to like 20 points or something like that. So he had to show out and establish himself as a player in this, in this league that like I thought Embiid was going to run away with it and just yam all, all over Davis. Cause he doesn't really like to play the five. So if he ever did come in the five in the paint like that, Embiid would uh, torture him, but it was good back and forth. And Davis got the better of him in points wise, but it's all about the W at the end of the day. Uh, it's pretty good though. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was drama, a competitive though. game. There's also drama in the in the game. Yeah, the Carmelo yeah. Anthony thing was uh, oh, no, pretty absurd. Not at all. That was that was the least of the 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 drama. Halftime show. Whew. I was sweating profusely. Man was on the chair, stacking it up. Sixty-five-year-old man. I was like, oh man, he's about to fall. No crash pad, no nothing. And all of a sudden, he makes it happen. Stacks it all the way to the top, and then stacks it all the way down. That was cool. Um, so we saw the, the the little platform come out, and we were like, wait, is this going to be Red Panda, the girl that throws the um, the bowls and crap on her head? Is, is this going to be the guy that comes out with the, the little dog that does tricks? Um, or is it going to be the little chair guy? And then we saw a bunch of chairs on the floor. We're like, oh, cool, chair guy. <laughs> so he, he stacks one chair on top of this little platform, climbs onto it. Somebody hands him another chair, and he puts that on the chair, climbs to the top of that, is handed another chair. And the question that the three of us each, in our own words and at differing times, Pose is how in God's name do you do you realize one how do you learn that two how do you realize that's what you want to learn and three how do you realize you can do that like how much failure did it take for him to learn how to do that right and then he didn't have a, he didn't even have a um so there were people underneath in case he lost his balance but he didn't have a little crash pad there's no way those people were gonna catch him they were gonna be like <gasps> back up hands in the air <laughs> I did enjoy Franklin sitting on the floor so, watching. Yeah. He was taking notes. Yeah. Because he and then he uh, he parodied it a few minutes later. He just so so the way this guy does it, he puts a chair, and then I believe he puts another chair like facing a different direction. So the chairs stack, but they don't just like fall into one another. Yeah. So it's it's like two feet of chair on top of two feet of chair. So by the time he's finished, he's up like probably what 20, 30 feet in the air. At least. Yeah. Franklin came out with chairs and then just stacked them on top of each other like you would in the corner of a gymnasium, <laughs> and just sat on top of it. He had the biggest pop of the night, too. Yeah. <laughs> Franklin's I, grown on me. I stood I up know. and gave him a standing ovation. <laughs> Did you like Franklin? Yeah, I like Franklin. That's I thought he was annoying at first. I don't remember hip-hop at all. Hip-hop was my guy. I have him on my desk, and I have a bobblehead in my basement. Hip-hop was more of a sign of the times. He'd probably get canceled. Nobody, or the Sixers would definitely get canceled. They're, they would lose their little crypto and NFT um, uh, sponsorships, whatever. Hip-hop was cool. He was like... He wore like sunglasses. He would dunk. He uh, he actually put silly string on my dad's head once. Um, <laughs> we were in the section. He came over, grabbed somebody's popcorn. We were in two hundred one, I think it was, oh. second row. So great seats on the second level. And he would he would grab he came over, grabbed somebody's popcorn, just dropped it on somebody on the first level, uh, like sprinkled it. Didn't like drop the whole yeah. thing. And then he, my dad didn't see him there. <laughs> he shot silly string on my dad's head. <laughs> so hip hop was cool. Franklin went, so they went uh, mascotless for 
why like probably like only like a few years because i feel like they had the new uniforms like the blue red uniforms they they debuted in what, like 2009 or 2010 hip-hop was around for a year or two of that and then disappeared for a few and then franklin came about in like what 16 15 uh, it was it? during the tanking years i know that for sure probably 15 i think it was 15 um but franklin came no 16 because he never wore the old crappy uniform um it was after the re the, the redoing of the uniforms which were was ba like badly needed um but I, I don't mind franklin as a mascot um i don't know what swoop does if if at all anything gritty is obviously the uh the quickest ascension of a mascot in, in the history of sports yeah the fanatic is the fanatic although it hasn't changed much aside from going back to its old look and then and uh the one Franklin's just like Franklin is just Franklin. So I'm cool with the mascots Philly has. I just don't know what Swoop does. So I like stand there. Granted, what can you do? You can't dunk a basketball at halftime in a football game the way like Franklin can jump off trampolines and crap. And Swoop can't actually fly. So I mean, if he had a harness, but he ain't signing yeah. up for that. Yeah, Swoop sucks. Um, just to round out the statistics and beat at 26, 9, and 7, he was a plus 21. Tobias Harris was tw at 23, 5, and 4. He was a minus one. And then George Niang off the bench had 14, 3, and 2. He was a plus 17. Uh, I put here that six were pretty much in control most of the game, aside from the very beginning. But I felt like as soon as they kind of took the bull by the horns, they were they were pretty good. Yeah, Matisse Dybul had a key steal. He had two really good ones. So there's one. Um, I don't know if it was an intended pass in – to Westbrook or Westbrook was the one releasing the pass. If you watch the the highlights, I'll, I'll send you the video and then I'm sure anybody that watched the game could remember it. He anticipated a pass, I think almost before it even happened and jumped in the air and stole it and threw the outlet wow. pass to Maxi. That one I was more impressed by than him picking the or jumping in the oh, passing lane and getting, he got the, uh, the run out on his own. I thought the, the play where he stole it in the middle of the air and then passed it ahead to Maxi. Maxi got a little like layup right after Maxi turned it over to him, pretty sure. Yeah. Um, that was very impressive. He, his defensive anticipation and his defensive discipline have improved so much even since he got into the league. Granted, I don't think he's the most disciplined, you know, on ball shot defender because you will find times where he bites on shot fakes and fouls guys. Um, of course, we all remember game seven and he does it quite a bit. But his ability to block shots, not from the not just you know straight on, but from the side and from behind, and also pickpocket guys, very very impressive. Uh, Thibel is, I think, one of the more gifted defensive players in the league. He's not as um, diverse as a like say like a Giannis or even like Simmons when he was playing, to where he could guard one through five, but he can certainly guard one through one through three. We've yeah. seen him on Curry. We've seen him on guys like Durant. Now, granted, nobody can really guard Durant, but we've seen him on guys like that. And he, he'll, he'll hold his own. Obviously, he's going to give up points. It's, it's a scoring league. You're never really going to shut somebody down. But he uh, he's impressive. He has a nice couple of nice plays last night. Maxie was good. Um, almost had a double-double. Or had his first double-double. Almost had a triple-double. Um, and Drummond had, what, 10 boards off the bench in like eight minutes? Yeah. He was uh, he was electric. I think he picked up two fouls as well immediately. Yeah. Dwight Howard came into the game, got three fouls in like six minutes. It was insane. Everything we've said about Dwight Howard came true. But amazingly, he didn't get to the line because we would have got a frosty out of him. Yeah, we, yeah there, were, there was not a ton of free throws last night for what I felt. Um, and for a game that was the only one on in its, in its particular time slot mm -hmm. and the first of only two games all night, both national TV games, you would think they would put some guys on the line and try to keep the game close. 
But I guess they realized unless it was Malik Monk or Anthony Davis, nobody on the Lakers are really going to make free throws consistently. <laughs> but um, but also with being the only ones, you know, the spotlight on us, it showed out that uh, this team is clicking and Embiid is clicking in MVP form. I think his stock rose after last night. Granted, it wasn't a 30-point-plus performance, but a near triple-double dominated, went head-to-head with arguably one of the better you know players in the league in Anthony Davis, and uh, they both held their own. They both <laughs> showed up. So everyone's stock rose on that one for sure. I enjoyed the matchup. We, we rag on Davis a lot, but I do think he's a special player. Mm-hmm. I enjoy when Embiid gets to play against guys like him or Towns or even Gobert. Gobert's not as you know diverse of a player, but like Bam Adebayo, guys like that. We went through a couple of years in the NBA where like the only centers that were in a good were like DeMarcus Cousins and um, and like Marcus All, and that was before this influx of Davis ascending to being a top player and Bead and Towns getting drafted, Gobert really coming into his own and Jokic coming into his own. Mm-hmm. And I don't miss that. I don't. I don't miss the league where there were no good centers. Where like yeah. Brooke Lopez was like the best shooting center. I love that the um I don't I don't love it a whole lot that centers are taking threes, but I do enjoy it for the current product. I do I do enjoy that like old school, you know, watch I I, I get irritated when I watch 90s basketball though. <laughs> because nobody takes threes, the, everybody's so slow. There's no off ball movement and the centers can't do anything. Bully so ball. I do I do love how um how even like Bam out of bio, a guy that couldn't shoot in college has become like almost like a willing three-point shooter, like once or twice a game. Jokic is hoisting threes, pushing the ball in beads, doing way more now than he was even in college. So it's an interesting thing. Um, actually, I'll go back on my statement. I do enjoy the uh, the current, you know, centers and fours making plays. Um, speaking of fives and two fives, we would be remiss if we didn't mention this. Shaquille O'Neal, while lauding Joel Embiid's play, simultaneously buried uh, Joel Embiid's current yet somehow former teammate, uh, basically called him a wuss, said that he's not, you know, doesn't have any fortitude essentially, uh, was criticized and got worse. Meanwhile, Embiid got criticized and got better. Um, I don't want to talk too much about this guy because he, he irritates me and they were handing out... Um, Shirts in the parking lot. They're selling shirts in the parking lot <laughs> with this guy's face on them and different memes and various. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think that uh, the player that Shaquille O'Neal was talking about will respond in any way, shape, or form, whether it be verbally or with actions? Or do you think he's just going to... Uh, today, this guy signed a, a a sponsorship with some sort of like video game company. Shows you where his head is. Yeah. Some sort of like a video game group. Yeah. Um, so we can collect a check. He lost a, a Nike shoe deal. So he's got to recoup some money while he's getting fined. Uh, he's not going to respond. Like he doesn't even speak to begin with. So if anyone responds, probably like Rich Balls, like team yeah. and whatnot. But clutch sports. But he's not going to respond. So do you think he'll respond at all with his actions? Not necessarily, you know, saying anything. But do you believe that he will? Do Do you think that he's never going to play a game again for uh, the Sixers? He won't play a game for the Sixers, but. He'll do it with his actions when he gets back on the court. Because if he does the same thing that he does what he did in Philly when he comes back to this new team, I mean, shit, I mean, I'm shrugging those who are listening, but like, all right, that's your action. 
you're really just doing what you did when you were here in Philly. So unless he takes shots, like what, 10 a game jumpers. Yeah. Then, then talk to me. But other than that, nah. And if he, even if he goes to, like we were saying yesterday, even if he goes to like a smaller market, I don't know if Cleveland's interested, but like a Charlotte, Atlanta, which is a, a big basketball city, but still like a smaller market. Um, uh, Indiana is the first one that came to my mind. Portland, anywhere, any one of these places that is considered, you know, a relatively smaller market. Like even if the Clippers, it's a big market, but slow, like very low popularity. It, regardless of where he goes, if he doesn't do what he doesn't do here, the fans are still going to get on to him. Like it's not like he's he, he going to go be the same player someplace else. He has so much attention on him right now, and he might be outside of maybe Zion, the most intriguing player in the NBA. Um, the next time he steps on a floor, because I mean, yeah, Durant was intriguing because he came back. Clay Thompson, the only two guys I can think of right now that are out, maybe three Fultz, but Fultz is so much lower on the the backing order. Irving at one but, point. Yeah, well. people can't. Yeah, people couldn't wait to see him. People can't wait to see Zion on the floor again. See what he can he, can he do anything? And people are excited to see this guy on the floor too. To see if he's changed as a player at all, and if he hasn't, that is, uh, I would think that would drastically impact his standing in a lot of people's minds. I think people think less of him. It's not just a local thing. National media is starting to kind of get into him a little bit. Oh, I'm yeah. surprised Barkley hasn't said a lot more. But for Shaquille O'Neal, a guy who is usually more critical of lo- of big men, yeah, not necessarily guards because it's not his forte. For him to really just like kind of unprompted rip into this guy. In the midst of a Sixers ascension into like the top five in the East, two games out of first, and they can be, I think they're ahead of Milwaukee even, uh, the Sixers are at this current moment. It, it, off, basically on the back of Embiid, because Harris has not offered a ton of support, and Maxie is still young, and Curry's missed time, and Danny Green's done nothing, and Doc is hurting this team. Embiid is the only reason they're this good. And for Shaq to switch from, hey, Embiid's great, to this guy's a bum, mid-sentence tells you it's really bugging him. Yeah, one thousand percent. He's he's also he looks out for the big men, like like you yeah. say, criticizing them, but he also backs them up. And Embiid's been bawling out of his. Mind. He just wants them to be great. Wants them to be great, and he's basically laying out the facts. At one point, Embiid yeah. was in that number twenty five position where he was heavily criticized and booed here, and was booed yeah. on the court two years and ago. And what he did took it on the chin, worked on his game. The Embiid. Right now would destroy the Embiid of the past. He's healthier too. He's taking yeah. care of his body. He's more mature, obviously, so he's not with the antics as much. You know, he's a father. I mean, he's he's just great. And he's a leader too, which is very he's important. A leader. This team needed one. Um, I don't know Did who. Re- I don't know really who the leader was uh, when Embiid and Twenty Five were first breaking into the league if it was kind of like a Covington type of thing, or if like Amir Johnson really played a role in that Reddick maybe played a role, but I think the leader was really just Brett Brown. Uh, once, you know, things went forward, Jimmy took on a little bit of a role and then Harris became kind of like the, uh, the de facto leader with maybe some Horford in there. Danny green. Yeah. And then those two leave, they kind of bring in green, change the culture a little bit. Curry's a little bit less you know, outspoken um, outgoing. Maybe they bring in doc to replace Brett. Somebody's going to take over this leadership role. Tobias tried, and I think Embiid has slotted in there beautifully. Um, if I can make one comparison to another sport, um, so in hockey, you know, it's the only sport really, well, football too, 
where they have the the C on the jersey for captain. Uh-huh. Guys don't just become captain the second they step in the league. There's a there, occasionally you'll have a guy like that, but like even a guy we'll talk about later, Claude Giroux, came into the league in 08. He didn't become captain, I think, until 2011. So Jeez. it took a little while for him to become captain. Um, even like a like a Sidney Crosby took a few years. Connor McDavid, same thing. Mm-hmm. Like in basketball, you you don't always step into the league and all of a sudden become a leader. LeBron is even like the rarest case when he went to Cleveland just became the guy and B took him four or five years. Um, Westbrook took him a couple years. Um, who else? Tatum kind of involved and Jalen Brown took him three or four years before they became the guy, the leader and the best player. And I think Embiid has kind of ascended to that role almost seamlessly. Yeah, for sure. Out of necessity too, of course, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's a matter of winning. I mean, I think this is the way you want to. Excuse me. This is the way you want to respond after the season. The season that they had last year and how pitiful they were in the in the postseason. Yeah, the, and then the bubble the previous year. Yeah, so this is a testament to we're gonna get back right. The city deserves a championship. The, he wants to do it for the fans. You know, all the the good things to hear, but putting it into practice and really just putting in the work and it's a blue collar city. So when we see you trying putting out the effort, we're going to, you know, give it back to you full 10. For sure. Um, oh, and quick note, they are, I believe half a game up on the bucks. They are the fifth seed the bucks okay. are from the sixth seed nets. And uh, we're tied with the nets, but the nets have the, the time. Yeah, they beat them, beat them twice, but the Cavaliers, my friend is number oh. three. Which is pretty wild to me. Who's uh, number one is still Chicago, right? Wrong. Oh, I'm wrong. Uh, number two is Chicago. Number one is Miami. Oh, right. Another team that is just like steadily always there. The East is a little bit more tight than I think most people would care to admit. The Hornets are up there too at seven. When you're when the three favorites from before the season, Brooklyn, Philly, and Milwaukee are all four, five, and six, that tells you this: the conference is ascending. One thousand percent. And just progressing. Um, so the all-star starters were announced. Um, we'll go through it pretty quickly. Uh-huh. Um, one of these things is not like the other. So for the Western <laughs> Conference, uh, Steph Curry, John Morant, uh, Michael, or, uh, Andrew Wiggins, uh, LeBron James, and Nikola Jokic are the five. James led the West in votes. Eastern Conference, Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. So what do you make of uh, Maple Mike? getting into the all-star game over Devin Booker. Ah, the fan voting, baby. The Zaza it. rule that they introduced to get Zaza out has kind of been ruined here. I don't know the because, story behind the Zaza rule. So Golden State fans were like, and fans in general were just mocking the voting system, uh-huh. voting for Zaza Pachulia to make the all-star game like four or five years ago. And he was like fifth in fan voting and they kind of made a rule to where like, yeah, you have to like actually be good. And, <laughs> and after that, they made it so that it wasn't just fans. It was like 50% fans, 50% media, and then like 50% players, which is how Ben Simmons got to, which is how 25 on the Sixers got two votes and John Wall got a vote without playing a game this year. Isn't that 150%? Whatever. It was, it was 50, 25, 25, I think. But, um, <laughs> Well, you always got to give 110%. But 
but they split That's it between true. fans, players, and coaches or whatever, or mm-hmm. media, whatever, to kind of make it a little bit easier. And they still screwed this up. It should be Devin Booker. Someone posted on Twitter the comparison between another player who didn't get an, uh, an all-star nom, and that was uh, the unicorn, and did a side-by-side of the... Uh, Luca no, or, um, Porzingis. Porzingis, yeah. They did a side-by-side of their uh, averages in, this, in the season. Porzingis has at least one to two points in every category, more averages than Wiggins. But they I mean, De- positions. Desmond Bain stacks up pretty favorably to Andrew Wiggins. I mean, Jesus. Wig- I mean, whatever. Wiggins deserves it because he has really, really progressed since he got traded to the Warriors mm-hmm. and has become a really good third option and has shown you can probably win a championship with him on your roster. He for a while, he, the man. No, exactly. And I think that's perfect for him. He was drafted, obviously, to be the man, but he was drafted into an impossible situation because one, he got traded almost immediately for Kevin Love, and two, he was going to a dying franchise in Minnesota. Yeah. But I think he is perfect as like a second or third option on a given night, and he can get you 20. He can also play pretty good defense. So, I mean, good for him. Um, I believe it's also his first all-star nice. nod. Um, the rest of the guys all have made numerous. I don't know if John Morant made the all-star game last year. I would assume so. I think I don't think he started. Curry's been in a bunch. LeBron has obviously been an 18 straight. Crazy. Um, Jokic at starting 18 straight. Jokic has made a bunch. Trey Young, I think, is the second time going. DeRozan was probably there as a Raptor. Um, KD, Giannis, and Embiid have been there every year pretty much for the last like handful, aside from the year Durant was hurt. Um, I'm not mad at it, though. I'm fine. Yeah. I, even with Wiggins, I don't really care, but Booker maybe deserves it too, but I, it's a, it's a showcase for the fans who cares. Yeah. I'm not even going to watch it, <laughs> but however, yeah. this does, this, this does make a difference. However, with um, when it comes to uh, maybe not starter versus just being on the team, but this makes a difference for like the super max and everything. Mm-hmm. So awards and all-star appearances will also play, you know, a part in the contract negotiations. Pays. Yeah. So it's different in baseball and hockey and football where it kind of matters a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Basketball is really about awards and everything. First team, all NBA, second team, et cetera. And guys can get maxed out. Whereas the other sports is really not a max for what you can pay somebody. Um, I think in hockey, you can't make more than 10% of the salary cap, but that, that nobody really approaches that territory anyway. Jesus. The other sports, they don't care. But in basketball, I think it makes a little bit of a difference. So, I mean, he could be taking some – he would probably be an all-star regardless, so it doesn't really make a difference. It's not like they voted in, uh, I don't know, Jakob Pertl or something. <laughs> or Tobias Harris. Yeah. Um, and one last note in the world of the NBA. Um, I saw this trending. <laughs> I wanted to take get your take on it. Uh, apparently, there's sources out there that are saying that NBA teams are prepared to ask – the association to look into possible collusion between James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers. What do you make of that? Do you think the league uh, is shook? Do you think it's just possible reason why also the Kings as of today dropped out of the number 25 running? Like what, what, what can you make of this collusion? So this is definitely on the heels of the report that Harden's camp, which is familiar with, uh, I believe it's Michael Rubin, you know, openly stated, and this is according to Kendrick Perkins, so take it with a grain and a half of salt, um, that Harden openly wants to play with Embiid and play in Philly. Um, you can't really say things like that out loud. 
Um, and obviously nobody on Harden's team ha- and, uh, in Harden's camp has said it out loud publicly, mm-hmm. but if there's rumblings of it, you know, where there's, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. So who knows? Um, I don't know if this means the Kings are dropping out because of that. I think really the Kings are dropping out because they don't want to trade both Fox and Halliburton or even one of them. Probably asking price is probably too high. The Sixers want them to take Harris. I can, they they might have other guys in mind that they would like to go after. I think Porz, uh, not Porzingis, the uh, Sabonis would fit pretty well on that team. They could find a, a trade partner that maybe benefits them a little bit more. Yeah. And maybe they maybe or another take that I thought another thought that popped into my head anyway is maybe more teams are interested in twenty five to the point where the Kings aren't really you know the whole show. Mm. They may have more teams that they have to compare you know compete against that maybe that'll hurt them. They don't really want to have to go up, you know, go into a bidding war with three, four teams. They thought maybe they had the kind of exclusive, you know, they were the front runners. I thought it was more like the way I posed it was like, it felt like they were basically match made in heaven, some kind of thing, not like a perfect trade, but like they were the most cl- closest to it. Right. They seemed compatible. Yeah. Yeah. And then hearing these rumblings of Harden over the couple of weeks saying how he doesn't like playing with, the nets and this and that like all these nonsense with irving yeah and then you hear this rumbling i'm thinking maybe the the kings are doing more effort than what is led on to believe right they're doing more effort and they're realizing you know what we can probably give them the house and they would say no because just like the sixers are dead set on trying to get hardened this is just a pawn and they don't yeah. want to be a part of it. So yeah, and they're just in the in the trade to make other deals more available because then Maury can say, Hey, look, I got this trade from the Kings. The dominant they want to they want to give me, you know, Harrison Barnes and uh whatever, whoever Luke Walton and uh Luke Walton some first round picks. <laughs> I don't know. I, I still am really interested to see where he ends up. I, I can't see him on Brooklyn. Um I w- why would I trade within the division slash the conference? Why would I do that if I'm Brooklyn? Is the I understand why the Sixers would do it. They don't think very highly of them. But why would I do that if I'm Brooklyn? Getting 25, you get defense off the bat. But yeah, but you're trading the, the most one of the three best shooting guards of all time, and probably one of the one of the most prolific playmakers in, in the current NBA. I think it's all about chemistry and defense because Durant can play defense, but it's just one man. Irving can it at to a point, but he's only playing half the games. In the postseason, yeah. so. I think Harden also has his sights set on a championship because he's only been to the finals once and obviously has no championships in his, on his resume. Yeah. And seeing that he's got Kyrie Irving on his team and he can't get to the next, like what happens when they get to a game seven of the playoffs and they're not willing to pay that fine and they're playing against a team that's a lower seed and they're at home, they just don't have Kyrie Irving. They're starting Patty Mills and like Javon Carter is getting 15 minutes a night. So like Harden probably sees that it's a more stable situation here, even with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it goes, you know, that's the, that's a logical step I can take. If they trade this guy for me, or maybe his agent is saying, hey, look, they trade that guy for you. It's a max contract for a super max contract or whatever. We can make the money work, throw in, you know, this guy, this guy, throw in some picks. That, that works monetarily versus, you know, hey, uh, Atlanta might be interested in you. Do you want to go play with? No, wow, I'm not going to win a championship down there. I need, a, I need a superstar to win a championship. And he sees him beat and goes, hey, you know what? Maybe Harden and a beat can work. I don't know. It's all it's, interesting it's, stuff. It's definitely interesting, and we'll keep an eye on it. And if anything happens, we'll have an emergency pod, and or we'll just throw up on the Instagram. We'll see what happens. But very intriguing as the deadline approaches. 
It is currently nine nothing Hornets. No way. Which breaks all of my first basket parlays, including mine. I had Dwight Howard in one, and I had uh, I had West. Actually, I actually had Rozier in the other one, but it was uh, Lamelo Ball. I wanted to do, but I thought he was going to get to Bridges if uh, Westbrook wasn't going to get it. Yeah, that sucked. Bridges was the odds-on favorite. Uh, real quick, let's touch on the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, David Ortiz will be the only 2022 inductee unless the um, the Veterans Committee, which so the Veterans Committee, what that does is once you're off the ballot after your 10 years or whatever, yeah, they can revisit players from the past. This is how I believe Dick Allen got into the Hall of Fame. Um, Tim Raines, I think, got in as well this way. I forget who it was. Somebody else got in. But um, unless somebody from like the 80s or whatever gets in, um, David Ortiz will be up on a stage by himself. And even though we're keeping all the steroid guys out, a guy that popped the test in 2003 apparently is going to get in. So um, he'll be the only one that gets in. He received 77.9% of the vote. You need 75 to get in. Barry Bonds was second on the ballot at 66% in his final year. Damn. Roger Clemens, 65% on his final year. Uh, Scott Rowland in his first year, I believe. Or actually, no, not his first year. He Scott Rowland, so five years ago, uh, like maybe second or third year, I believe. 63%. Kurt Schilling, 586 on his final year. And then Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Alec Rodriguez, Jeff Kent, Manny Ramirez, and Andy Pettit all are below 52% or, or, or 52% flat or lower. Um, what this will signify is that two players from obviously the steroid era, we're not going to run from that, are not making the Hall of Fame. I'm going to read off some names of guys who are not in the Hall of Fame and definitely signify. Or when you so let me let me just put it this way: okay. if you were to say baseball in 1995 through 2005, ten year stretch. If you named me the top 10 prolific names from that period of time, they would likely be Alex Rodriguez, Frank Thomas, Jim Tomey, who was in, um, Clemens, Bonds, Sosa McGuire, maybe Rafael Palmero, Ichiro Suzuki. Um, I'm going to forget a couple guys, maybe Nomar, I don't know. Um, whoever you want to put him. Jeter. Jeter's obviously in, Mariano's in. Yeah. Pettit's not going to be. So Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmero, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Alex Rodriguez, and Manny Ramirez, it seems as though none of them are going to make the Hall of Fame. And I understand that these baseball writers are up on a high horse because they don't want to put the roided guys in. It's this gated community where like only like 0.1% of the baseball history is in. Yeah, we, we can't run from the fact that the 90s happened and the early 2000s happened. And somebody put it, put it this way on Twitter the other day. You can't get mad at a cowboy for existing in the wild, wild west. But you want to get mad at Bonds and... Shelling is a different story, but Bonds and Clemens for using. Meanwhile, there are other players that use that did not, you know, play as well as those two. Steroids don't make you hit the ball. They might help you hit the ball further. Might you know reduce your recovery time? It might help with muscle growth and everything. You still have to be an excellent player. Bonds would have been one of the best players of all time had he not taken him anyway. Um, His first accused usage of performance enhancing drugs came in 2000. If you took his war from the date of his debut to the day of his first accusation, he'd still be 19th all time in war. I mean, he was the 19th best player in baseball history without steroids. 
he is probably the second or third best player with them. I think it's a travesty. You can't run from the 90s. The Baseball Hall of Fame is a museum of baseball's history, and we're basically just erasing a, an exhibit from it. We can't pretend that Frank Thomas and Jim Tomey and you know Derek Jeter and, or David Ortiz were the only players that existed in this particular era. And that's my thought. Is he also the home run king? Well, I'll tell you this. How can you tell a story of the most home runs and then the man at the top? Redacted has the most home runs of all time. Redacted Redacted. has the most Cy Young (laughs) awards. And Redacted is the all-time hit king. Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame because of gambling issues, although he was betting on his own team. That's silliness. That's a little different, but Mm. um, he's the all-time hit king by a pretty wide gap. Um, Roger Clemens, I believe, has the most Cy Young award win or Cy, Cy Young awards in his uh, in his trophy case. He's not in the Hall of Fame. That's ironic. Barry Bonds is the number one all time in home runs. We have seven sixty two or something like that, or seven something or other. Regardless, he hit seven hundred plus home runs, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. And he's the number one home run. Le- seven sixty two. It, it's absurd. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this, as somebody uh, who may not be as emotionally invested in this. I don't really, so on one hand, I don't care who gets in the hall of fame because they have really turned into this gated community and these old white sports writers who don't even watch the sport anymore. Just vote for the guys they liked and want to keep certain guys out because they're, you know, being gatekeepers and they just don't want certain guys in. However, on the other hand, I think these guys belong there. So I want to hear your thoughts as somebody who may not be as emotionally invested in something like this. I think it's a travesty, honestly. And it's, I understand it's, you know, the steroids tanning the sport, bad luck, all this is the purity and the young people looking up. That means my young, my son's going to look at that like, oh, steroids is cool. Let me just do that to get to X, Y, and Z. But like you said, it doesn't help you hit the ball. You need hand-eye, hand-eye coordination. You have to be athletic. You have to understand the game, the IQ. Taking steroids ain't going to make you smarter. No. You know? Um, it's going to definitely increase your your recovery, as you said, muscle growth as well, and hit the ball further. Of course, but, or but throw the all, ball faster in some cases as well. That too. It's all hand-eye coordination, experience, and the love for the game. Um, Baseball's like, 50% mental. and like, This is craziness. Yeah. And cardio as well. But For sure, yeah. Like Barry Bonds, like I get it. I watched baseball in that era, especially the Mark McGuire and Sam Sosa. That was like, the peak which I, of the which yeah the peak of baseball for me that that was to the moon like and I'm, I'm gonna get Sosa, into that in a second too McGuire I was glued to the TV glued to it glued to anything on TV listening if I didn't catch it like who's gonna the home run race then the home run derby that was a spectacle in itself little did we know these guys were juice of the gills but I was young did you care I, I didn't you found care out? but I was also young did I yeah, care. Fair. I was shocked. I'm like, wait, what? But That's I was fair. more shocked of like, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> like, yeah, aren't they all kind of doing it? Or exactly. like, did he? Is it bad that he got caught? Because it ruins it for everybody else. Like, I didn't get it. The cork bat. That I was more mad about that, if anything. Yeah, because that's like, like legitimate right. cheating. That's, yeah, that's legitimate. There are certain about that. that baseball is also guarded about these unwritten rules, and that's one of them too. You know, the pine tar on your head or whatever that Michael Pineda had pine tar on his neck. Um, shit on ju- your arm now. Yeah, pitchers. juice bats. Yeah, no, no more sticky stuff. 
Like that's it's no, all it's the, the sign stealing with the Astros. That was a little bit different too. That's a little bad. Um, also the like the what was it like the Spygate kind of thing where you can like have someone out in the outfield with the binoculars. Something. Oh uh, yeah, like st- that. stealing signs. So. It, Basically, and, yeah. and so stealing signs, first of all, as somebody who's played baseball my whole life, if someone's stealing your signs and they're doing it from second base, it's because your signs are shit. And yeah. it's obvious here. Oh, we're not changing the signs. And if you if you're on if you're pitching or, or if you're a bad roommate, you're the pitcher or the catcher and you're not changing the signs with somebody on second or it's painfully obvious you're tipping your pitches. That's one thing. Steal the signs. I don't care. But when you when you use some guy in, in the outfit with binoculars, or you're using technology to do it, that's where you kind of cross the line because you're doing it outside of the the playing surface. Mm-hmm. That's why people are pissed off about the Astros, and that's why that's one of the unwritten rules. But I'm with you. Like, th- there are cheating things that happen, and when everybody else is doing it, and you're still the best, you're the best of the people that were cheating, and you're still the best. I mean, there's also that like that line of like, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Something, something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing the. Quote. How many of these guys that were in Major League Baseball were presented with substance? I don't know how many guys were using what percentage of the, the league. Ass? A but lot you them. or I, yeah, you or I, who's probably like a bench player. Hey, I got I got bills to pay. And I got a family to feed. I'm going to use so I can stay in the Major League Baseball. And you know, yeah, screw that. I'm I'm glad you mentioned the Sosa McGuire thing because they revitalized a dying sport. And if that doesn't encapsulate the time period, nothing will. I don't want to hear, (laughs) oh, Edgar Martinez was hitting 40 home runs as a designated hitter. And that's what happened in the 90s. That's all that happened. He was the only player on Seattle. They didn't have a shortstop named Alex Rodriguez. They, I can't sit here and pretend that we're just going to like turn the steroid guys into Chris Benoit all of a sudden and pretend they don't exist. Like it, it's ridiculous. Sosa McGuire, like single-handedly or double-handedly, revitalized interest in baseball with the home run race. Um, for what it's worth, also McGuire hit number sixty-two on my birthday. Um, I mean, those two single-handedly put baseball back into one of the top sports out there. I mean, I'm not saying it was like dead, dead, yeah. dead, dead, dead. United but... States interest in baseball had been wavering, especially after the strike and the fact that they didn't have what was it, the 1995 World Series, just flat out didn't happen. Something along those lines. I remember something. The, the so sport was I dying. Was I mean, they, they need steroids right now for when they come back. They need Aaron Judge and Pete Alonso and uh, I don't know, Nick Castellanos to just start taking steroids now so somebody can hit 100 home runs and generate more interest in the sport like following another thing. lockout. Like it's one thing if you had like a Captain America situation, right? Scrawny little kid, see him as a rookie, whatever. And then within a year or two, he comes back yoked out of his mind and crushing balls yeah. every time. Then, yeah, that's a, an eyebrow. But like you said, Barry Bonds without steroids in his numbers and the player and what he was before taking steroids, he was on his way to Cooperstown. Like, what is this nonsense going on? Uh, and meanwhile, in the current and he's not product, the only one who did it. No, he's not. He's just the one that was. he was still the best. I don't care. I don't. I, it's absurd. Is also, it also and, a racial thing. I don't Come think it now. is. I, I, he was a bit of a dick, and I think these these writers also vote for guys based on how they were treated by certain players, which is why Schilling is not in. Schilling's not in because he's a Republican. Schilling's not in because he was a prick to the media, and these these writers will keep people off the ballot because they didn't suck, like them. Man. Yeah, <laughs> what, and let's not pretend that baseball's hands aren't are, are completely clean here because the last yeah. three years there's been obvious usage of um, juice balls 
And even this past season, I don't remember if we even touched on this on the, on the pod, but baseball was using juice balls in certain games and dead balls in others games, dead balls in the non-televised games, like the, the one like Seattle versus Arizona on a Thursday night. Meanwhile, they were using juice balls for the Fox games, including the, uh, the field of dreams game where there was like six home runs because they got to generate interest in the sport. So let's not pretending that baseball is this completely pure game and everything's an even playing field. When the home run numbers the last four years are just artificially inflated, got Kingery's hitting 350 foot bombs. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bellinger and Judge are fighting for the, or Bellinger and Alonzo are fighting for 55 home runs in one year. Show me how Tony's going off. Let's not pretending baseball is, you know, perfect. Are we going to go 10 years from now when, uh, I don't even know when, when Aaron Judge retires? Are we going to talk about, well, yeah, he played in the era where they were, there was controversy regarding the balls. No, they're going to put him in the Hall of Fame. He's get 550 home runs probably by the time his career ends. And he's a Yankee. It's stupid. It's all stupid. It, I don't, it, it's like saying, it, it's like penalizing 90s basketball players for not shooting threes because <laughs> the current day threes are different. No, you, you, the Hall of Fame and the parameters to be a Hall of Famer. I'm not comparing this player to a player from 50 years ago. I'm comparing this guy to the guys relative to the players that he was playing against. Yeah. And, and relative to the numbers these guys were putting up. That's why Jimmy Rollins is probably Hall of Famer, by the way, because his numbers are the best in his time period. J-roll. Jeter was the best shortstop in his time period, offensively, probably not defensively, but you know, like, you look at these pitchers like Andrew Billy Wagner, Thomas. for instance, was the most dominated, dominating closer in his era, aside from Mariano Rivera. And it's held against him that he's a closer because closers haven't always been historically, you know, viewed as important pieces. I just think it's ridiculous. The Hall of Fame voting needs to change. It's a joke. And if this doesn't take power away from the, the writers now, nothing will. I mean, there's got to be some kind of like structure on how long you can hold that that luxury of being a Hall of Fame uh, votee, whatever, voter. Like, this is nonsense. Um, I think you just need to be part of the Baseball Writers Association for 10 years, and that's all it is. But you know like, what they should do? Online, you know, you know, you know what up. they should do is they should have current players who have been in the league for 10 years should have a vote. MLB players who played for 15 plus years and are retired should have a vote. Uh, because you have like best friends, you have clicks, you have people who don't like each yeah, other. But you're not going to make the Hall of Fame because seven guys you were friends with. Yeah, you're not going to make the game the Hall of Fame because you seven guys you were friends with are going to vote for you. I think there's a better way to do it. I don't know really the best way to do it. You don't want to be like, was it basketball where they just let everybody in? Well, I'll tell you but right you, now. You want it to still be. Soon. Would Manfred yeah, yeah. at, uh, at the no. whole, he, He's now. a bum. I don't trust any of the current commissioners. Honestly, the only one doing a half decent job is the hockey one, Batman, because there hasn't been any stupid crap that came out. Silver's a prick. No one gives a sh about hockey. Oh, football, they, the football, they just don't, you know. Roger Goodell sleeping with every discipline people. Yeah. At least in hockey, it's it's been pretty, you know, ever since the labor strike in 04 and then again in uh, 11 or in 12. They've been pretty squeaky clean. They, they did a good job with the bubble and everything. Well, yeah, because they, hockey's not afraid to shut down the season at any given point. They're yeah. Like, All right, fuck it. <laughs> Nobody's watching anyway. It's ridiculous. Um, um, who who votes for the Cy Young? It's um, so baseball writers also vote for that. However, oh. it, it does rotate. So from what I understand, I listened to an interview. So in 2006, um, Justin Morneau won MVP over Derek Jeter. It was a it was a pretty close race. Um, and there was a writer from, I believe, Detroit who had Jeter fourth. And I listened to an interview. He went on Mike and the Mad Dog, and they ripped him a new one. <laughs> the way this guy um, explained it 
Yeah. And then I believe Jeff Passan also explained how the how the voting works too. Okay. Currently, friend of the show. Uh, yeah, great. Um, you have if you're in the BBWAA, which is the Baseball Writers Association of America, your vote you vote for something each year. Um, you might you might vote for American League MVP this year, and next year it's a National League Rookie of the Year, and then the following year it's Manager of the Year, and then the next year it's MVP or whatever. But you, you vote for something. But I don't believe it's like the 800 vote of writers or whatever. It's like there, there's two from every team's market. So like you get two guys from Philly, two guys from Pittsburgh, two guys from Detroit, two guys from you know okay. the Mets, two guys from the Yankees, and you there's two for each, and they all vote for certain things. That's why there were certain people who were voting for Harper to be like the sixth in MVP voting because they were trying to get Brandon Crawford higher. So it, it evens out because you hope that most people, like 85% of the voters will be objective, but yeah, not everybody votes for the same thing. Because where I was getting at was like, do these same Hall of Fame writers who are voters who have a hand in picking Cy Young Award winners, would they look like have egg on their face by voting for Clement to find out that this man is a steroid cheat user, and now that you're just trying to get back at him for your vote, yeah, that that, what that you would saw be... you thought was natural and spectacular in the season, especially now that all the voters Not their so. ballots are publicized <laughs> to the point where you see this person voted for this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy gave in a, a blank ballot. This person only voted for so and so. Like one person left Jeter off their ballot. So he was not unanimous. And that person was, you know, given his 15 minutes of fame, so to speak. It's just, it's a tragedy. I, baseball sucks for this. It does. Um, let's move on before we run out of patience. Um, we'll <laughs> knock this out pretty quick. Pretty know. quick. Flyers are next. So, so this is your, um, so this is your area of expertise. So the Flyers. <laughs> Uh, as we mentioned last episode, set a new record for a winless streak at 13 games consecutively. General Manager Chuck Fletcher and CEO Dave Scott, I believe is his name, held a press conference Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a whole lot was said, but too much was said at the same time. They both acknowledged the team's struggles, wanted to assure fans that next year will be a step in the, in the right direction. However, they're not disassociating themselves from the current core. They believe the current core that is in place, uh, meaning Kevin Hayes, Sean Couturier, maybe Claude Giroux, Ivan Provorov, Carter Hart, Ryan Ellis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In the midst of making excuses like Ellis is hurt, this guy's hurt, the COVID protocols and everything, they believe this team is good enough to contend for Stanley Cup. Um, I put here fax machine emoji or hat emoji. Cap. Okay, I agree. Um, they need an influx of talent, and they're not going to do it unless they trade guys away. You're telling me we- this fucking team, sorry for my language, people, this effing team with a core group at the current stand, and I'm not into hockey, but just hearing this, in they one have 13 year, wins. In what? How long is an offseason? Several months? A couple months, they, yeah. A couple months, several months that you're going to make big changes to the point that this King team makes 13 plus, because we don't know if they're going to continue on this losing streak. All yeah. of a sudden. They have the Kings tomorrow. Seat? The Kings kind of stink too, so they'll probably beat them tomorrow. Like, are they going to just ascend to the Stanley Cup? Like, what the fuck are they smoking? It doesn't work like that. So They're I'll playing give you NHL some... hockey, 2K. This is craziness. I'll give you two quick examples of when the Flyers were pretty putrid and then managed to come back pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, 2017, I believe, was the year they drafted second and they got Nolan Patrick. Um, that will haunt them pretty far because they apparently wanted uh, Kale McCarr, who's a, an incredible player for the Avalanche, um, even as far to the point where Bobby Clark, who's a former executive of the Flyers, threw former GM Ron Hextall under the bus and said Hextall took Nolan Patrick even when everybody wanted Kale McCarr. 
that could be, you know, Hey, we wanted the guy that wound up being good. This guy, it's almost like, Hey, we, uh, we told him, well. we told him to take Justin Jefferson, but he didn't. It, it, it's could be somebody just capping for their, the sake of their job. Um, yeah. the, the next year they were fine. Granted, they came back from a lot of, you know, weird players were out. Oh, seven was the biggest turnaround they've ever had, but they completely, they drastically changed up the core. Oh, seven. They were the worst team in the NHL. They lost the lottery, got the second pick. Patrick Kane got taken by the Blackhawks. Uh, the Flyers got James Van Reams. Like, um, but during that offseason, they went out and acquired, and, and this is a lot of guys. Daniel Breer came in. Uh, Mike Richards ascended. They brought in um, Kimo Timonen. They brought in a new goalie at the trade deadline the year they were bad. They brought in Jason Smith. They brought in a lot of guys that fill out the roster. Joffrey Lupul, um, and they they rounded out the team. I don't think there's any space for them to do that. First of all, they have big contracts on the books. Ryan Ellis has played what, two games this year. They prove up making money. Giroux's got a big contract if, he, if he's re-signing. Couturier makes a lot of money. Hayes is making big money. Carter Hart's going to be making big money. They, they don't really have a ton of wiggle room here to where the point. The idea is you want to have a young core that is really good and it's coming together at the same time, similar to how the Avalanche were, where you have a bunch of young guys that aren't making a ton of money and you can fill them out with veterans that you have to overpay for. They can't do that right now. Um, another thing they did is they blamed COVID for the low attendance. Um, so they are currently 20th in the NHL in attendance. The Philadelphia 76ers who play in the same building have to deal with the same restrictions, the same protocols are currently second in average attendance and first in average percentage of ticket sales relative to the number of seats in the building. So they are at over hundred percent capacity in ticket sales per game. And they're at hundred percent capacity in attendance per game. So I don't want to hear it. Um, and they would not commit to closure long-term. They would not give a straight answer as to whether or not he'll be gone. So I don't know what they're going to do with Claude Giroux. That right if, there. If there will be, there will definitely be a market for him if they want to move him though. That right there tells you that Claude Giroux part that he is going to be dealt. Because I think we mentioned about this in an earlier episode about Claude Giroux. Yes, Benny. Um, that. He is so beloved in Philadelphia and a fan favorite that it would hurt the fan base. It would definitely hurt me by making a move like that. But for the sake of his career and your organization to save face and to promise the fans over and over, like you just said, next year we're going to do it in the right direction with the same core group, with the contract situation that you have. It's like the Phillies. No moves. No one's coming here for free. No one's playing for free. You got to pay these guys. And no, nobody's seeking out Philly as one of their – this is another thing. It's like um, – so the other obvious example is the Phillies. Nobody is saying, oh, you know, I really want to go play in Philly because I, I understand it's a big market and everything, but the only guy that's ever come here as a free agent and was, like, interested in doing it was Bryce Harper, and that's because they paid him a bunch of money. I've never heard any player in any other sport, aside from maybe Daniel Breer, who came, in in, who came here in 08. It, it's been hard to get big free agents. Nambi came here, Elton Brand came here, but, like, same time, nobody's like, we're not Miami. This isn't LA, Miami, Chicago, or New York. Guys, Damian Lillard maybe wants to go to New York. Jimmy Butler wanted to go to Miami. Guys want to go to these LA, or LeBron wanted to go to LA. Kawhi I mean, wanted to go to LA. To an extent, what it looks like appears to be wants to be in Philly, but only wants to play with really Embiid. He's not here for Philly. He's here for Philly's best player. That's what it is. Yeah. If guys flock to the Phillies, it's because Harper's here and Ramuto's here and all these other guys are here. Nobody's going to the Flyers going, oh, yeah, you know, big history. You're delusional. Uh, 
Tear I'm not it. saying you, but these people no. are delusional. Tear it down. I don't care if it's a three, four-year rebuild. We've waited 46 years for a Stanley Cup. We can wait five more. It's. Did you see how patient Sixers fans were during the process? How Patriot, sort of I wasn't patient. Even a fan. I didn't even know what was going on. Sort of how patient uh, Phillies fans were during the rebuild. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy a nice rebuild. It fans, shows progress. It shows that yes. you're doing something. People who enjoy, so you and I consider ourselves fans of the four Philly teams to differing extents, of course. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, we're fans of the sport. When the Sixers were rebuilding, I was watching the Sixers. I loved them. I wanted to win every game. They never did. I mm-hmm. used them in 2K. But at the same time, you can watch basketball and be a fan of Steph Curry and DeRozan and this guy, Durant, whoever, Westbrook getting the triple doubles. You can be a fan of the sport. I can watch hockey and enjoy it, whether or not the Flyers are good. The Flyers are good. That's icing on the cake. But I know that they're building towards something bigger. Yeah. So if they go and they get the second pick in the draft or the third pick, cool. Just don't screw it up. Next year, they get the seventh pick or whatever. Fine. Don't screw it up. That's two young players you can build around. You can probably this, – this is we're not talking about the 2015 Phillies right here where you got Ryan Howard, Cole Hamels, and Chase Sutton. You got no trade chips. Somebody will give you something for Kevin Hayes. You can get something for Couturier. If you really wanted to, you could trade Ellis and Provorov and Hart and Giroux and get a plethora of draft picks and young young players and young roster players and make it work. Is it job security for these people? I think Chuck Fletcher's seat is very hot because he like, came no, in and he was supposed to. I'm talking about for everyone involved. For everybody? For everyone, in, except for, I guess, the owner, but like everyone in that man in yeah. corporate because so the, the, a rebuilding process from where you are now with all yeah. these good players, great players in a fan base and in a market to then just be like, we got a clean house completely. That means you are willing to go yeah. through the shit gutter, but you have to make sure you make the right moves because you, it's gotta be an upswing. Cause Sam Hinkie, he got the ax near the end, but it was, he it was did pretty what flat for a little while. Yeah. To get to where we are and look who we landed. Look where we are now. I guess it also matters how quickly you can do it, which is why teams can't really commit to a full rebuild because it's all about profits. If you're not really selling tickets, and tickets are a little expensive for hockey games as it is, they're like 100 bucks a piece basically for face value. If you're not selling tickets, you're going to be losing money, and it's all about you know the, the value of your franchise and the viability of it. It's Fans awesome. can understand it, but you know the, the you know, advertisers don't. It, Bud Light doesn't want to hear about the fact that your team's trying really hard to get better next year. They want to know about how many eyes are on the product. And I think that's what matters to the corporate, especially when you're owned by Comcast. Yeah. That's what I was going to get to because it's also these TV deals. I think NBA has the better, uh, like, union or whatever it is that that negotiates that kind of pie. They get so much money. But I think hockey has its – I think that's what killed it as well because hockey has its own channel or its own package where it's almost hard as heck to even see it unless it's on NBC. They did get um, a decent deal that just kicked in this season where they left – they were with NBC from the end of the lockout. So before the lockout, they were on Fox until about 2000. ESPN from like from the, the 90s and 2000s on to about 2004, which is when the, the, the TV deal ended. During the lockout, I guess they, they, um, they came to agreement with NBC as well as OLN, the Outdoor Life Network. Yeah. OLN became Versus and then became NBC Sports. They were on NBC Sports from 05 to 2020, 2021 actually. This year, they just got a new deal. They're on TNT. And they're on ESPN. So 
That's right. ESPN money is probably helping them. It'll probably keep the salary cap from flattening and probably at least boost it a little bit. NHL salary cap doesn't rise the same way football and hockey, or I'm sorry, basketball do every year and baseball's luxury tax threshold. Yeah. But it does go up usually. So it, that'll definitely help. And getting, if ESPN can just get behind the sport, it'll also just drive interest. So, and they oh, also they have their own channel and they have the outdoor games. They have ways to make money and draw interest. And they do a decent job of kind of getting new people into it. Because I bet you, if you sat down and watched like the Winter Classic or even any of these ESPN games, you probably enjoy it, whether oh, you're a fan or not. Versus, you know, baseball where the, it's like, oh, well, for the home run derby, we're going to wear neon green shoes instead of brown shoes. Like they have no clue how to target new people. At least hockey has an idea. And I think the commissioner generally is okay. People hate him because he's a commissioner, but Batman's fine relative to all the other commissioners. They're all corrupt. Uh, I mean, uh, what, what do you think though? What's the outlook for uh, Claude Drew? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? So there's a rumor that his agent has, um, has stated that they will be working collaboratively between the team player and agent to find uh, the perfect place for him. I think if there's not a perfect place for him to land, they maybe keep him for one more year in the offseason because he is very loyal. I think ultimately something will come out in the next week or two that they will be working toward a trade, and he will have suitors, trust me. He's a good player. He's still – I don't know if he's in his prime necessarily, but he's still at the back end. He's in his twilight, but he's not falling off yet. He's still a productive player. He's a good five-on-five five player. He's a good on the penalty kill. He's got power play experience. He's a great playmaker. He can shoot. Win faceoffs. Somebody will take him. He's relatively durable. Somebody will take him, and somebody will probably give you a first-round pick, a young player, and a yeah. and a, a roster player in return. So, number I twenty-five think, of the Sixers should be taking notes of what you could do. I think at the very least, if they if they wind up just saying, "Hey, we're going to stick with you for the rest of the season," if he's not interested in signing a contract for a few more years, I think they might trade his rights on draft night, which sometimes is what happens. The uh, might as well. I mean, this guy's yeah. he's beloved here. He's done all he can, but this this isn't working out right now. Sadly. So he's on the final year of his deal. He's making four. His base salary is uh, apparently not not known, uh, but he's making $5 million in incentives and signing bonus. Teams won't really have to pay him a ton. Uh, he's making about $8 million a year. So, And given how much time is left on the contract, just this year it'll be less than that plus the flyers can retain salary in order to make a trade work within someone else's salary cap so uh, if they want to make a trade work they will interesting stuff in the world of hockey especially surrounding the philadelphia flyers because they're becoming a laughing stock oh they're the worst team in hockey and the worst team in philly and even we're talking about them we my hockey interest has wavered and even you know about how terrible they are and you're not a huge hockey fan so i couldn't name one other player on that team if Gritty was a player, I would probably. And I just named 10 and none of them stuck anyway. So, like, that's how bland they are. And how boring oh, yeah. Are. Hey, hey, because he's exactly. from Boston or something. He's a Boston. Yeah, he's man. from Boston. Dirty. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Dirty Boston boy. All right. Um, now, to complete the Sports Equinox kind of episode of the podcast here, yeah. let's go into uh, this weekend's NFL Conference Championship games. Nice segue right there. Probably the biggest I'm thing this weekend. Podcast hosting 101. You got to do the segues. You know, how, come on, Rob, give me the credit. The segue was nice fist pumping <laughs> oh wait hold on we're gonna go check the bets real quick you talk i'm gonna do this you'll see if i'm happy or sad <laughs> all right uh folks this sunday 
is the NFL Conference Championship. So for the for the first time in what a couple of weeks now in the playoffs, uh, we don't have a Saturday, Sunday, and a rare Monday game. We have what is called the natural, traditional, and Rob is highly upset. It was Nurkic. Of course. Uh, we have a su- doubleheader on Sunday. Uh, Rob can probably fill in the details of the announced team as I butchered my way through this. The first game, the Cinderella story, Cincinnati Bengals on the road at Arrowhead against Kansas City uh, at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, CBS game, probably the Jim Nance, Tony Romo game. Yep. I would hope. Dang. Yeah. Bing. Let's go. And then next uh, for the NFC, it'll be round three of the NFC West rivals. The 49ers 2-0 over the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi. And the ticket sales have been fixed, so Niner fans can get in with no problem. So it will be a home game for the Niners on the road <laughs> in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, the Rams will use a silent count. <laughs> it's 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, so it will be taking place 3.30 West Coast on Fox. I would believe it is the Aikman-Buck uh, game, but it could be Kenny Albert and Kenny Lofton. Yeah, Kenny Lofton. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know. Um, Rob, Rob is deceased. Um, first game. Former Philly Kenny Lofton. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. We got. Oh, who, who am I thinking of? I don't know. I forget. Uh, what? James Lofton, maybe? I don't know. That's it is. James he Lofton. does games with... Um, not Kenny uh, Not that Spiro Ditas. Uh, who's the guy? Oh. Uh, <sighs> uh, Burkhart. I, KB does games with uh, Greg Olson. Who the heck does James Lawson do games with? Um, anyway, while Rob ponders that one off, we got some stats for you, buddy. No, no stats, actually. Uh, let me see. So it's seven and a half right now in favor of the I'll Chiefs. For that. Over under mm. 54 and a half. It's a little bit higher. Um, so for the TTP this week, yes. which we'll get to in a moment, we have different parameters. No more lock dog and lay because we only have two games to pick between. And if we don't like the dogs or don't think either game's a lock, we're kind of just grasping at straws. So we're going to pick a winner for both games. We're going to pick an over prop for each game, an under prop for each game. And then we're going to pick it against the spread and also with the over under. So for instance, if you like the Chiefs, that'll be one of your PTPs. You like Tyree Hill over. You like uh, Clyde Edwards a layer under. Uh, you think the, the Bengals will cover the seven and a half and you think it'll go over. That's the five piece TTP this week versus lock dog lay, which uh, is kind of just something I threw together a couple months ago and we're going to run with it. So the chiefs are coming off a victory, of course, against the bills in one of the best games in recent memory. Of course, the Bengals, a lot of people don't expect, didn't expect them to be here. They're here and they are coming fast. So I'll give you a little bit of like the tail of the tape. Uh, Mahomes. In the regular season, 295.8 yards per game. Burrow, 289.1. Leading rushers for each team, Joe Mixon, 72 yards a game. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 52 yards. Jamar Chase, 88 yards a game. Uh, Tyree Kill, 76. Points scored per game, Chiefs, 28. Bengals, 27. That's fourth and seventh in the league. Points allowed. Chiefs allowed 21 points again. That was eighth in the NFL. 22 for the Bengals. That was 17th. Yards on offense, 405 to 385 in favor of the Chiefs, third and 10th, respectively. Passing yards, 290 to 282. That's fourth and seventh. Rushing yards, 115, 102. All of these are favoring the Chiefs. That's 16th and 23rd. Time of possession, Bengals were sixth. Chiefs, 10th. Third down efficiency, first in the league for Kansas City, over 50% at 52.2. Bengals were right in the middle at 39.6. 
sacks, 41 for the Bengals. That was 11th, 28 for the Chiefs. That was 28th interceptions, 12th and 15th, respectively. The Chiefs had 15, the Bengals had 13. So everything kind of is teetering on the little seesaw and kind of favoring the Chiefs here. However, you can't really measure momentum and confidence, which is what the Bengals have. Yeah, they have that, like, as you mentioned a couple of episodes ago, this dangerous confidence, this swag that they have. Yeah, um, they don't believe they, anybody can beat them. And they beat the Chiefs this year, so. Yeah, I mean, that and, goes with them. But the Chiefs also remember that they got beaten. So they're going to come back for blood. Yeah, they know they lost to the Bills, too. Yeah. I don't know if Andy Reid's team, since he's been in Kansas City, lost back-to-back to a team within a season besides, I guess, division because it's in the division but like, i mean i doubt it honestly aside from maybe the pats but that's the only team i can think of um it's gonna be an interesting game weather might play a factor in even though both teams play obviously in poor conditions but it is supposed Arrowhead. to be clear from what i understand but that could mean it could still be cold so yeah, it's supposed to snow it like five hours ago over here that's it true snowed yet so We'll see. Um, it is one of the loudest stadiums, if not the loudest stadium in the NFL. So, and it's going to be packed. Those annoying chants. So it could could uh, have some communication problems, both on defense and offense, especially on offense. Young Absolutely. quarterback, young receiving core. Um, it's and a young coach as well. Never been in this position. Pretty inexperienced. Albeit he was with the Rams for a little bit. Yeah, uh, Zach Taylor. But the, the, the obvious experience edge is completely on Kansas City's side. Even among the players that haven't been there very long, like Joe mm-hmm. Tooney at Orlando Brown, they've both been there long enough to uh, – or is it Orlando Brown? The heck's this guy's name? Uh, Orlando. Yeah, Orlando Brown. Yeah, even the guys that haven't been in Kansas City very long have experience. Not a ton of experience on the Bengals' side. So that could be a good thing. That could be a blessing or a curse. Because they might not be phased by the moment, but at the same time, they don't have the experience to go go off of. So it's all about this is a tough one. I, I, I don't think it's as tough as it could have been. I have all of my my picks aside from the props kind of locked in right now. I'm I feel looking. pretty good about each. I'm looking, I'm looking. Over, under. Let me see. All right. I have everything else except for my under prop. So would you like to just pick the winner straight away? Yeah. Because I don't I don't think it's rocket surgery or brain science. Mm. Although you might think it is. Tell me you're picking. Stick to your guns. All right. For full context, prior to the episode, we look on the Google Sheets, and he was showing me the new rundown for the TTP, but I happened to look over at our preseason matchups and uh, Rob's out because he picked two teams that are eliminated. I still have Kansas city going to the bowl and winning the whole thing. So do I guess I have to stick with my pick, even though I am a fan of the Bengals all season, by the way, Jamar Chase is my guy. <laughs> Is, this is unprecedented. What should I do? Should I stick with my guns that I did in preseason, or do Between I go a rock my... and a hard place? Are you? Oh, one thousand percent. F it. I had it down. I'm gonna change it on this on the dock. Give me Bengals. Wow. I had it on the dock. 
I'm updating it in the moment. So you can see my picks and props if you do. I'm not going to look. Uh, the second the Chiefs won on Sunday, I said they were going to the Super Bowl. They're not losing again to the Bengals. All right. Um, I, I think I'm, I feel very confident in both of my winners this weekend. So I'm going to go with Kansas City to win the game. And you'll get my thoughts on the spread momentarily. Um, what would you like to do next? Um, over. Over. Balls. Over? Yeah. I got two in mind, and they're both receiving props. Actually, have... the three in mind, two receiving props and one passing yardage prop. Um, I'm going to let you do yours if you do have it locked in because it'll give me a second or two to figure out mine and also make sure I don't use the same thing you do. <laughs> so right, if you don't mind, do you want to go first with this one? It won't fit in the Google Docs, but... That's fine. It'll fit on the Instagram story. That's all that really matters. Uh, well, because I don't know. I don't know how to use Excel, so it's all jacked up. You'll see when you fix it. I'm sure um, it's fine. For the overprop, I have over 85 and a half receiving yards for Jamar Chase. Yeah, it's like they've learned nothing. He's gone over 100 both times. Yeah. So my three that I'm choosing between are yeah. Tyler Boyd over 39 and a half, CJ Uzama over 38 and a half, or 35 and a half, and Joe Burrow over 286 and a half. I feel the best about Uzama because all that takes is two catches. Burrow, I think, is going to be forced to throw the ball, but I don't think they're going to shy away from the run necessarily, at least not to the point where I, you know, most people would think. Sirianni type. Just don't. I'm going to go. Give me Tyler Boyd over 39 and a half. Ooh, dangerous. You didn't go Uzama. Yeah, you know, I thought about it last week and I weaseled out. I figured if I doubled down and I took it this week, he would go under. So, <laughs> um, right. so what do you want to do next? Under, just uh, yeah, for the sake of this uh, exercise. I have under prop. I have under thirty-eight and a half attempts passing attempts for Patrick Mahomes. Thirty-eight and a half. Huh? Yeah. Okay, I I don't I don't dislike that. Thirty-nine, dude. That's a lot. Damn near 40? Yeah, this isn't the Bills he's playing against. If it's 40, it's because he was down significantly against yeah. the Bengals. And I don't know the likelihood that that is going to happen. It will happen because the Bengals are winning. Did you know the Chinese New Year? It's the year of the Tiger. Is it really? That's what I learned today. That's good news for Miguel Cabrera. Uh, <laughs> Come to Philadelphia. Mickey. I see. I want to take Joe Mixon's under, but it's too low. It's 56 and a half. Oof. I'm going to go against my own thought here. I'm going to go T. Higgins under 70 and a half. Only because he's on my playoff fantasy team and I'm the only guy that has him. So me thinking <laughs> I'm a genius for taking him is going to backfire. So I'm going to go Higgins under 70 and a half. I think he'll have four catches for 69 yards. And I'm going to be kicking myself. And then, so the final two are probably a little bit easier to pick. We're going to go against the spread and the over-under. Um, what do you like against the spread? Do you like Kansas City laying the seven and a half, or would you prefer to take Kansas City with the seven? I'm sorry, uh, Cincinnati with the seven and a half. And for those who don't understand what you just said, 
So will Kansas City win by eight or more points, or will the Bengals lose by eight or fewer points, or seven or fewer points? Plus seven and a half Bengals. I thought about it too. And and for full content, that was for me. No, nobody else. Uh, I'm just going to go KC minus seven and a half. I think they cover that easy. Really? I don't think it's going to be close. I think it'll be 31-20. Okay. Well, at 31-20, that would just automatically put you in the under then. So you're saying this is an under game. Oh, shit, you're right. Awkward. Um. So, all right. But they could still, you know, be 10 points, whatever it is that you had it at. Just higher scoring. I think Kansas City covers. I think it goes over, though. So maybe that scores up. Maybe 41-30. That's very high. I'm going to go over, though, for the over-under. I have it under. Really? Yeah. I have it under. 28-28, that's what? 56? Oh, fuck. 56, yeah. Well, yeah. It has to be 28-28, so 21-24. I'll give it that. Just under. All right. Not bad. Uh, the NFC Championship game. It's hard to beat a team twice in one season. It's going to be infinitely more difficult to do this. Three times in a row. Twice in the same building, back-to-back times. Uh, San Fran heading to Los Angeles. Or Los Angeles heading to Los Angeles to take on the home team, the San Francisco 49ers. Right. Oh, my gosh. That place is going to be loaded with red and loaded with gold. So I'll give the Niners credit. I want to give the Niners credit. They're the only team in sports that actually wears gold. Yeah. The, the Packers wear yellow. The Lakers wear yellow. The Well, the Golden Knights wear gold. But I, they're not the only team. But they're the only one that doesn't shy away from the fact that they wear gold. Every team that wears yellow says they wear gold. All the Pacers draped in their navy and gold. No. Lakers in their purple and gold. No, those are yellow. That's my uh, that's my mini gripe. If anyone should be in gold in the NBA, it should be the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they were. Uh, their uniforms are hideous, by the way. Top five later on, the worst uniforms in basketball. Bet. All right. Who do you got? Straight up. Uh, Rams. See, I'm, I'm a six and a half out of ten in confidence in the Rams. I'm a seven and a half out of ten on the uh, the Chiefs. Give me Niners. Okay. I'm feeling it. This is the year. Rams, it's it's the perfect storm. Either way, it's the perfect storm. They get their quarterback. They go all in on all these picks, like getting OBJ, Von Miller, XYZ, Cooper Cup having a phenomenal triple count year. Literally incredible year. Chamave writes the wrong of whatever happened in the previous years. The matchup, if if it gets your way, right, the matchup will happen several couple years later when it was supposed to be Rams and Chiefs, but then the Patriots snuck in and yeah. destroyed the Rams. We might actually get that matchup. It's all there. That's one side. Yeah. The other, you did all that to collapse because you got the 49ers. Garoppolo looked like should have been gone two seasons ago. Bounce back, leading yeah. this team to the playoffs. Debo has become get paid ASAP money. Get the running game. Kittle, Bosa, 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, righting the wrongs of his 
coaching career, putting you to sleep as well. Let's talking go. about uh, talk about the one of these things is not like the other. Uh, <laughs> let me just read the name. I mean, even stat. This is still not. You, you said who are the four best quarterbacks in the league? You'd say Mahomes, Allen, Brady, Rogers, probably. And one of those Dad four is in the up. final four. So you got Mahomes taking on Joe Burrow, who Joe Burrow. is he's good. I would say he's probably, if not in the top ten, approaching it. Stafford, who is also kind of on the fringe, he's really balled out in the postseason. Garoppolo, who's like a glorified turnstile, just really handsome. Very interesting uh, four quarterback combo here. It rivals the uh, the Brady Bortles Foles Keenum final four from four years ago, <laughs> uh, or yeah, four years ago. Um, Eagles. It is interesting. So I can see it one of one of two ways. I can see the Niners coming out winning a, a white knuckler here, and they they just grind it out on the ground. They keep Garoppolo upright. He doesn't turn the ball over. I could see the Rams. Stafford airs it out, hits his weapons. Miller and uh, Donald get home. Leonard Floyd makes some noise. Ramsey makes some defensive plays. They force Garoppolo to throw it, and he can't. So this can go one of two ways. We'll see what happens. I do feel good about the Rams. I just think it's the Rams here to get to the Super Bowl and lose. <laughs> and they, they went all in. They get they gave up a lot to get Stafford. A lot. They're, they're still reeling from having given up so much for Ramsey. They gave up uh, some more for Miller. They bring it OBJ. Cup gets paid. Or I don't even know if he got paid, but he, he's going to get paid. They have a lot of money and a lot of resources tied up into right now. They don't really even have a draft this year. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think it'll be a good game, though. I think this will be a little bit closer than the other game. Is that punishing a team for going all in? Like almost like the Yankees just buying their rings instead of doing it old school from the farm system and whatnot? I do kind of dislike the whole buying championships thing, but I realize that's what Philadelphia has to do. Um, So I realize every single one of the Philly sports teams has to do that anyway, so I can't dislike it too much. (laughs) But I do like, I I do think it's a little annoying when people go, you got to do it the old fashioned way. You got to draft and develop. No, if you can trade for a freaking superstar, do it. What are you talking about? I think it's a little misguided to throw all of your chips in the middle, like literally everything in the middle of the table, but it's kind of unprecedented. They've traded a lot of draft picks for these players. At the end of the day, would you rather have a sure thing or a lottery pick? That's what the Rams are weighing one against the other. So, I mean, would you rather have Von Miller or would you rather have a guy that might not be good for two years? No, you're trying to win right now. You want Von Miller. Yeah, right. Would you rather have Jared Goff and like a maybe a linebacker or a safety that's got a couple of years to get better or do you want Matt Stafford? No, if I believe Matt Stafford's going to push me over the edge, I'm going to go Stafford. Um, what do you want to go with next? Uh, spread. Okay. Plus three and a half. So you got the Niners when you're going to go plus three and a half. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Rams minus three and a half. I have both home teams covering. I have both favorites covering. No way. This can't be real. I don't understand. What you got? Now a sack on a quarterback. Is that rushing or passing? That gets so, so when a quarterback is sacked, the um, his individual totals do not get altered. The team passing total is where the yardage comes off of. So you might see Stafford one game maybe had 290 yards, yeah. but the Rams had 276 passing yards as a team, even though he was the only guy that threw a pass. Great. Team passing yards are affected by sacks in the pros. In, in college, it comes off your rushing yards, but 
and the pros, your team passing yards will get uh, bumped a little bit. Well, that just sucks. All right. <laughs> uh, over-unders. Smash the over. Um, that game was exciting in week 18. It was very exciting. I'm going to go with – there's a couple on here I really like. I feel kind of boring picking receiving props, but Tyler Hickby over 39 and a half feels like a layup. That's not bad. So let's go Higby over 39 and a half. Okay. That feels low for him, does it not? Is Stafford like blind in one eye? Is that, is that why they think the uh, <laughs> the number will be lower? Because, I mean, it, in fairness, Cup is over 100, and that's very dangerous to bet on. Beckham is 52 and a half. Um, Akers at 18 and a half is a good value, but, I mean, he needs a couple screens in order for that to work. And they have other running backs on the roster, like Sony Michelle and Darrell Henderson. And then, I mean, it's in, I don't know. What, what would you like for the uh, the over prop? Uh, porn star Jimmy G over one touchdown. Okay. Is and that what it is? Yeah, plus – I forget what it was. It was like a plus something. Oh, it's uh, plus money too. Plus 106. Plus 106 for one. So I half. thought about taking his yardage over 224 and a half, but I think they're going to have to run the ball, and I think they will. Oh, yeah. Um, they're a run-heavy team. Yeah. So the unders, the uh, everybody's least favorite thing to root for. <laughs> My boy religiously puts under rushing for Tom Brady, and it almost hits every time. Yeah, well, yeah, it almost hits all the time. Um, rushing unders. Now, the quarterback under rushing is my the That's first thing I looked at, actually, two and a half for each. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not doing either. <laughs> um, I um, go first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> under 31 and a half receiving yards for Van Jefferson. Oh, okay. I like that. I'm going to go hmm. – I'm going to go under 36.5 for the longest Garoppolo completion. That's risky. And then the last one on the list. I'm sorry. No. That should be changed. I don't know. Could you say what? What was the number? What was the number? 31? 36 and a half. That could be a little dinky screen pass to Debo, and Debo can cut and bob. That's just weird. Exactly. It should be yeah. the point where he threw it to call the air catch, yards. Yeah. And then the yak could be just I agree. easy money. I agree. Passing yards and air yards should be two separate things. If I complete a pass five yards and a guy takes it to the house and I get 80 yards for the completion, that's uh, that's kind of unfair. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Um, all right. But Garoppolo, I, yeah. The only thing we left is the over under for the game, which is set at 45 and a half as of Thursday, uh, Friday night at 8 30 at night. 45 and a half is an interesting number, which implies it'll be about a 25 22 game or 23 20 game, roughly 24 21 ish. Ah, so that's where it went. Um, yeah, I already said it. And then you went right to the over props. So I think you didn't hear me when I said mine, but. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I have over 45 and a half because that game was so nice the first time. I'm, I'm sure, but it works either way because it was like, what, 28, 21? Yeah, it was like pretty that. high scoring. And then you would think if the Rams come out for blood because it's hard to beat a team three times in a row, they're going to make sure it's out of hand. That alone will ensure you that it's 
a blowout, and then the, basically Niners are just trying to pass and trying to keep up. So that should be uh, over. That's my case for over. Come on out, join, join me. So I wrote under, but I, I'm feeling the over. Forty-five is low. You. I convinced you. Let's go dual overs. Let's go. We're gonna go both both favorites covering and both games going over. <laughs> And I'm the underdog. 49ers, Bengals, you got Rams, Chiefs. Yep. By the way, great matchups. Oh, yeah, good match. Interesting. I don't really care for the 49ers, but I'm, I'm fine with this. I didn't I didn't want to see the Packers. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it, give or take Brady. If it's if it's his final year, I would have preferred to see him, but if he's coming back, which I think he will, um, I'm cool with him not making it this year. Go uh, go put yourself in the cryo chamber and uh, and rest up. In the hyperbolic chamber. All right. We have a quick top five we're going to do. This is going to be our top five favorite ESPN shows. Um, I went basic. I don't know how basic you went. Very basic. Like okay. ESPN's mothership show is on my top five. So, so I don't watch too much ESPN anymore. So uh-huh. I do have I do have a list. I am officially checking it twice. And I am in. Would you like me to begin? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, five for me is Sports Center, Same. because it's just the uh, it's the flagship program. That's all it is. I put. I do wish. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I do wish they would do more live look-ins like they used to. Mm. Like they would say, "Oh, Kobe's got fifty points. Let's see if he can get to sixty. And they would show snippets of games. They don't do it anymore. Like a red zone kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm uh, I'm fine with it. It's it's still the only show of in a, in that tier on its own. Yeah, it stands alone. Yeah, I I have the six o'clock edition. I put in parentheses because that, that's so always Stephen like, A. or is that Scott Van Pelt or? Uh, nah, just for nostalgia purposes. Oh, I mean, just the always, time. Yeah, that was always like prime, brand new, yeah. live. We're gonna see what's going on. Yeah, you got like Steve Levy or Dan Patrick or or um, Bouchergrass or Neil Everett, like one of those. Michael Smith Stewart, at one point. Stuart Scott. Michael Smith and oh, the other is a uh, damn this chick that she got axed on ESPN. Um, name. She had the braids. Ah. Not Jamel Hill, right? Yes, Jamel Hill. Oh, and Jamel Hill. Yeah. They were pretty good. That's right. Oh, that's right. They did have it. Yeah. Um, four for me. Um, this would be higher if not for the personnel change that occurred about eight years ago. Uh, first take. I think Skip and Stephen need need each other. Stephen A need each other more than they realize. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not a huge fan. I didn't. I, I liked Kellerman more than whatever they're doing now. I don't. I can't even watch it now. But I do think it's too long and they talk too much. That's not even on my top five. I despise that show. That, that I, show comes I, on for like if I'm bored or if I yeah. want to hear him talk about the Cowboys because it's always a little funny. But other than that, it's just you can tell it's just regurgitated shit. I don't really watch ESPN a ton. I just know it's the main programming. So, and I wasn't going to put like something else on there. There's no one to hear. Uh, my number four is uh, 30 for 30 specials. Okay. That's fair. Those are always nice. I wasn't sure if those counted, but I do enjoy the documentaries and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. They did a short one, like a 30 for 30 short or like an E60 short or one of those things. Yeah. And it was a special on the um, the old couple that used to put together the uh, Major League Baseball schedule every year by hand. Really? Dude, that was so fascinating. Um, I would love to find it online. Do you if you do you have ESPN Plus? It might be on there. No, I do not. I okay, to. so it, I'll see if I can find it on YouTube. I'm telling you, this is like the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. So these two, they were given, hey, look, we're going to retire this guy's number on this day. Should we have to be home for this day? 
We are never home for Labor Day. We are always home 9-11. Like the, and these two beautiful souls would sit there and they would put together the schedule piece by piece. And it was flawless. Um, there's another one on there as well. Mm. It was on not that long ago, and I think it's on YouTube. It's about how Alex Rodriguez almost got traded to the Red Sox. And at the final hour, he got traded to the Yankees. So the Red Sox were given, I think, like a 24-hour or 48-hour period to negotiate a contract with Alex Rodriguez, who had a, a gargantuan contract with the Rangers. They were going to give up. It was going to be a three-team trade. They were going to get Maglio Ordonez from the White Sox. Manny Ramirez was going to go to, I believe, Texas. And Nomar was going to go to the White Sox. Meanwhile, A-Rod's going to the, the Red Sox. And like a couple of different pieces moving one way or another. Um, I think John Lester was also going to the Rangers in this proposed Ooh. trade. It's very fascinating. And at the final moment, the players' union stepped in because A-Rod was going to take a gargantuan pay cut. And they said that sets a horrible precedent. You're making your $250 million, You're not going to make $200 million or whatever. And at the last moment, they granted negotiating rights to the Yankees. Yankees stepped in. They offered um, Alfonso Soriano and a player to be named later for A-Rod. Um, the Texas Rangers were given the option of picking between two young players. One of them's name was Joaquin Arias, turned into an MLB player. The other guy's name was Robinson Cano. Oh, my God. They took Joaquin Arias and no. did not take Robbie Cano. So they got Soriano, and they could have had Robbie Cano for A-Rod, who wound up on the uh, Yankees. And even during his press conference, he said, hey, I felt like I had one foot in a uh, Red Sox uniform, and it just didn't happen. It's a really fascinating thing. So those E60 shorts or whatever, they're phenomenal too. Jesus Christ. So I guess they're going to they, – they're four on my list. I'm going to dump first take. <laughs> <laughs> there you go we're tied <laughs> three for me is gonna be nfl countdown i had prime time and countdown because i don't know okay, whatever, yeah. whatever berman's on he, he's great i i i like the sunday morning one that they have with um i think it's sam ponder matt hasselbeck steve young randy moss is on there i think that's the current one that thing uh, like every year i feel like it's someone else door. too they Susie uh the, Colbert, yeah. i think was Susie like Colbert, yeah they, whatever it is so the monday night one is i think the uh, Dilfer's on there too. I don't think Ross is on the Sunday one, mm-hmm. but he's on the Monday one. So Moss, whatever one he's on, but there's, it's so good. I enjoy the dynamic. None of them have huge egos. Even the big players like Steve Young and Randy Moss are still fun yeah. when they're in the studio. Tom Jackson is missed. He was great with Boomer, all these guys. There's so many good personalities on ESPN that I, I miss. Yeah. Mine's is just mainly like the Boomer segment where he does like the halftime. Oh, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the fastest Count- three minutes or whatever, fastest two minutes. No, 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 he has one on ESPN plus oh, where he, like, uh, instead of Tom Jackson, he it's uh, Booger McFarlane, I think. Booger. So what? They just replaced one, one retired black football player with another one. Yeah, they thought and we weren't going to notice. At the very first time they went through it, you can hear when Boomer goes on, "Yeah, Tommy," and I'm like, "Ooh, that's oh. not Tom." Meanwhile, Booger's hands are gargantuan. Yeah, um, right. I I love me some uh, some Boomer, but uh, it was like that. But also when Boomer hosted the show. Like that time. That yeah. was always fun. Boomer uh, and Tom are great. And Boomer, even when he was just uh, sitting at the desk by himself, mm-hmm. 49ers, Ravens. If you look back far enough, you can find YouTube videos of the 2K5 NFL video game, which is like the greatest video game ever created. And they have Chris Berman in the studio doing highlights of games where, that you're not even playing. Is that the one where T.O. was the cover? Yeah. and that was my, you, the only game I owned. Awesome. They had a mode where you could play and you could see through the helmet. Yeah. And you could, oh my God, that game was great. You had your own crib. That yep. was the best. It was like two, it was like two K like NBA 2K now. Yeah. We got to do like a video game review in the future. 
we gotta do a bit, we gotta play it again. Fuck that. Yeah, true. Um, um right, what we are we the on? Top three, three? basically. I mean, the bottom three, pretty much. I have a feeling same. number one and number two are gonna be the same. They are gonna be the same, but I don't think in the same order. All right, number two for me. Around the horn. <laughs> Did we just have the exact same top five? Because number one is obvious, right? VTI. VTI. <laughs> Part of the air. I, I promise you we didn't interrupt this. I'm Mike Will yeah. one. Tony. Part of the interruption, but Scotty Pippen is out of his mind. Um, I love show. when they have the head and they hold it in front of their face and they talk <laughs> as if they're the person. Like, what whoa, should Shaquille O'Neal do next? Let's not let's not jump over oh, yeah. around the horn. Around the horn, around the horn. Is good. In its it used run. to be better, but it's not as good anymore. Reality is fun. I like Jackie McMullen. I like. Making Mullen's fun of Bob Ryan's face. She's on there from time to time. Bob Ryan um, is there? Sarah Spain is on there. I think Mina Kimes goes on there from time to time. I love Mina Foxworth. Kimes. Yeah. I love Mina now, Kimes. What would have been on here? I think they dumped her a few years ago, but Katie Nolan, whatever she had a show. <gasps> no. She was great. There? She was great on FS1, and then she was good on ESPN. She, she had was garbage time. On FS1. Garbage time is my favorite show when she was on FS1. She was the greatest thing on FS1. She was she like a the, blogger, quote unquote, yeah. on one of the main shows. She was the star of that thing. She is the only person that Mike Francesa on a podcast. Really? Francesa, she said, I know you won't do it, but I'm inviting you on. He said, well, because you said I wouldn't do it, I'm going to do it. I got it's on this. YouTube. It's an I, hour and a half on YouTube. I'm watching it right after this. Very humble for him. Um, but yeah, I love Around the Horn. I loved it when I was a kid because I... The point system always was like, what was it? Is it objective? Is it subjective? What is it? What are we doing here? No, it's reality's. <laughs> it's reality's opinion, right? <laughs> yeah. And then I love at the end of the episode, they get 60 seconds to talk about whatever. And it says like, this is their 231st win. Yeah. Who was the dude that used to, uh, Woody Page still does it with the little Woody chalkboard Page. behind him. Yeah. Uh, he would always who was like the other bash. guy? Oh, uh, there was another guy that was on there. It looked like a weasel. Bob Ryan has like wooden teeth. <laughs> uh, Black, uh, Kevin Blackstone. That was my guy. Yeah, um, I'm assuming they're not on there as often now, but around the round, what the hell am I doing? Around the round, I'm trying to find the names of the people who've been on it the most. Uh, wow, Kellerman actually owned it or um, hosted it initially. Really? Yeah. 2002, this started. No, oh, oh, J.A. Adande, J. Tim Callishaw, El, El Duncan. Tim Callishaw was a piece of. Sh- yeah. I'm sorry. Frank Isola, Israel Gutierrez, Bomani Jones. Uh, Mina Kimes, Emily Kaplan, Monica McNutt. Bill Plasky. That's yeah, Diana. Plasky. Pablo Diana Rossini. Dude, I didn't believe that was his name. That's how much I am. Jorge Sedano. Pablo Torre is great. Um, Israel Gutierrez. Kate Fagan used to go there. Jamel Hill. I'm trying to find the name. Oh, Jack Mimon doesn't do it anymore. Jay Mariotti is the guy I was trying to think of. Jay Mariotti. Oh, that um, piece of that Italian looking up. No. Well, Schefter used to do it. Michael Shelby? Smith. Gene Wojciechowski, Mark Cuban was on it before. Fantastic. It's a great show. It is. It's, um, and I like, when I was younger, I would always look forward to the very, very end where Rally would like sign off. We're on a 22 and a half hour break. Or He would throw a, the paper. But then, dude, no lie. I would always stick around to see if he would hit the camera. And I swear to you, I can't find it anywhere, but I swear to you, he hit the camera and he celebrated and as he did it, I already had my finger on the <laughs> the button that just switches to the next channel automatically because I was flip-flopping through commercials, and I was mad because I flipped back, back, and it was PTI, and I was pissed. Because ah, he literally though. hit the camera finally, and he never hit it again. 
the good thing about PTI is the two guys that are on it are on there consistently. And even when they have a, a guest host, I'm pretty sure Frank Isola is one of the first their guest hosts and he's pretty solid. Yeah, they do time. a good job. It's always been good. I love Wilbon. I love Kalashaw. I'm not Kalashaw, uh, Kornheiser. Um, and, and it's not like, um, you know, first take where they have like these massive egos and argue all the time. They might disagree, but it's just those two piling through every story. It's almost like a podcast where they have like 50 categories and they have a hard end for each one of them. Yeah, they try to anyway. Yeah, they do a great job. I, Wilbon's awesome. Guest. I like Kornheiser too. Yeah. They have a guest segment too that gives the guests full, what? Oh, yeah. Five, eight minutes or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, it's good awesome. stuff. It's, I tried listening to the PTI podcast one time. It's just a show in audio form. And I'd rather watch it. <laughs> I don't, I can't watch it. I don't, I don't have, you know, TV. So I might just have to re download it again. If you have the ESPN app, you should be able to watch it. Right. Um, or you can use the Xfinity app. I'll try. I don't I'll know try if you need app. to be at home. I have to be at home, probably. That's why we had pretty much the same list. That is insane. Persuaded me. So that wasn't, that's uh, not Improv. surprising from the standpoint that uh, ESPN has very little programming anymore. Well, it's that, all like, really ESPN you can Plus. hang You can hang your hat on. I'm not paying money to watch sports programming. I know more than most of those people. So, well, no, some of it's like specialties. Uh, they're pretty yeah. good, like details. What Kobe like did the, it and originally, the but now thing. it's, it's uh, Daniel Cormier who takes over it now. And uh, the Peyton, Peyton Manning thing was supposedly decent. Ronda Rousey has another one where she goes oh, to places. She? Yeah, it's brand new. Oh. She went to uh, the UFC headquarters, which is obviously like where she worked at before, but it was pretty cool. Like there's some good stuff out there, but that's pretty cool. We have like the same staple of yeah. shows as when we grow up when we we're children. Yeah, I, this is based mainly on nostalgia because the, first, the my number one and number two were both things I watched a lot as a child and Dude, don't watch really much anymore. Five to 5.30, that was me. Cause I would get home and I would watch like TRL and then I yeah. would, I would do my homework and then I would eat and then my parents would get home and then ESPN would be on and I would just sit there and watch. And that's how I kind of learned how to debate my friends and <laughs> over time. And I'm not a big first take. I was never really into cold pizza, uh, which was. was, I think that's what it was before first take. And then I wasn't a Mike and Mike guy. Cause I didn't really enjoy it. That was radio. I prefer well they did a simulcast on on the uh on TV, but I prefer to listen to local radio because they would because they would talk about you know the Eagles and everything. I don't want to hear about that. I the last time I watched Mike and Mike was when they were arguing about Blake Griffin punching the coach. Um, but that was also that coincided with Shady's return to Philly um when the, the Eagles beat the Bills. That's like the only and I I wasn't a fan of uh, Wingo and Golick. I'm not a big fan. Uh, oh bastard, you know what I forgot? It's, I don't think it's on anymore. Number one for me is actually um, um, highly questionable. Oh, uh, it's on there. But I don't think it's oh, no, not no. the same, right? It's a uh, damn Levitard. Yeah, oh, no. Levitard. Highly questionable something else, isn't it? Well, the, the Levitard left. Yeah, Levitard left. But Bomani left way sooner, and then it was Mina, and then it was Foxworth. It's not the same without Bomani. So highly questionable in former shows is my number one. <laughs> Baseball tonight also they turned it into a 30 minute thing. It used to be two hours. They they ruined that. And Sunday night baseball has been ruined too because they got rid of Dan Schulman and uh Carl Ravish is now the guy. But that's neither here nor there nor anywhere. Yeah, right. Uh oh. Well, the dogs are acting up. Your assistance is needed, but well time because the podcast is coming to a wrap. The fun episode. Wasn't a Lucy Goosey episode that no. we wanted to do on a Friday? 
a little bit more like refined because we had so much to get to, but I think we ran long, but anybody that listens will enjoy the long nature of it. When my favorite pods go long, I enjoy it. I don't I, like short pods. I think it's literally two hours on the dot, if anything. Just about, yeah. In totality with the ad and the rundown. Yeah. A little bit over two hours, but I think we hit two hours exactly. So yeah, not bad for us. That'll be the last long one for a while because football will be winding down and uh, we'll maybe do, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about stuff that isn't football though, because uh, while I feel like I watched and understood football and paid as close attention to it this year as I did any year, I'm really excited. Just I'm getting back into hockey and I'm looking forward to the lockout ending. So, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to some non-sports stuff to not only broaden our content, but also broaden our audience a little bit. For sure. Um, and we'll probably do uh, some definitely some WWE, WWF talk. I got to figure out a way to watch it, but uh, I can't watch the current product. <laughs> I don't watch the current product. It, it's, it's, it's trash. I just want to say that I, I had it on a few weeks ago because you told me, or a couple of months ago, you told me CM Punk was coming back. No, that's and AEW. I, I didn't realize he was going to the other stuff. So I was oh. watching SmackDown. There's a guy with no shoes on. I was like, this, this is trash. Oh, uh, damn. What's his name? Who cares? I speaking of that, I'm going to my first uh, AEW show nice. in two weeks. It because it's an AC. CM Punk will be here. There you go. I'm seeing CM Punk live. Maybe we get an autograph. Hey, you can, you're more than welcome to come. I have an extra ticket. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll see if the other uh, schedules line up for a Wednesday night. Ah, uh, well, Wednesday I've got I work open to close Wednesdays now. Damn. So that sucks. It just switched back. It used to be Wednesdays and it turned to Tuesdays in August. Now it's going back to Wednesday starting next week. Oh, that sucks, man. That's okay. my money-making day, though. Exactly. The money-making. All right. Any other last words before we sign off, Rob? Uh, just a thank you to those who've listened all season. This yeah. is, um, you know, for a pod that was going to be different, most pods don't last. <laughs> we've we've gone from football to other stuff, leaned pretty heavily on football, um, if you're getting bored of the football talk, yeah, we're going to broaden the horizon going forward. I'm looking forward to the, the playoffs ending. I'm looking forward to the next chapter in the pod. Uh, but thank you. Anybody who actually listened to this entire thing. Thank you everybody yeah. who listens consistently. Um, follow us on Instagram at PA underscore turn pod. Send us an email. Nobody's done it yet. PA turn pod at gmail.com. Um, if you're, if you're listening and it's still lousy outside, be careful, please. Know where you got to be. Is that important? Think about the people around you. Um, please don't drive recklessly in the snow. Tell that to my bosses. Fair. They're talking. They've been texting me the entire episode. Hey, yeah. you can, can you make it to work? Because we'll we'll get you a hotel. I'm like, dude, I'm not traveling to, from Atlantic City to Philadelphia the night before I go into work. If it snows and I can't get in, that's what happened. That was that yeah. was my fate. I'm not looking work. forward to uh, figuring out how I'm going to get to work tomorrow. However, I am looking forward to figuring out how busy it'll be and how likely it is I can listen to this while at work. <laughs> uh, everybody stay safe. Yeah. Um, um, thank you for everyone who's listened thus far. We didn't stop at 10. Most episodes get crashed within the first few. We stuck through at 37 yeah. down. A lot more to go. Are you getting stronger? Getting stronger, better, faster. More guests, more new surprises, more new stuff coming soon on the horizon and uh yeah trust the podcast see you guys uh next week and beat for mvp go big goals <laughs> see you guys <laughs>